1: this is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Two guys who just like to see the Flyers beat the Islanders in a playoff game without squandering a lead and heading to overtime. It's the simple things. Welcome back to Fly the podcast where we are always wearing big boy pants and never little boy pants, small child pants. No, I actually... <laughs> that's actually not true. I Baby dives. I haven't worn real big boy pants in... months at this point i don't think i've worn like actual pants since the pandemic started back in march
0: yeah i was gonna say since we've been quarantined it's been uh it's been uh nothing but basketball shorts and free ball for your boy i mean it's been a lot of just not uh having to act like an adult so (laughs) it's i mean i'm glad the flyers in the big boy pants but i was definitely watching at home in my chair and underwear so like i mean good for them uh but i'm not putting on big boy pants anytime soon
1: been a while since I've worn big boy pants. <laughs> it's so if you're in the dark on this comment, I I don't imagine you are, but there might be some people. Elaine uh, Vigneault, Big Al, friend of the show before the mm-hmm. uh, the Flyers' Excellent. last game where they extended this series with the Islanders, uh, said that certain guys needed to step up and and put on the big boy pants, uh, namely Claude rue and uh, James Van Riemsdyk.
0: And uh I like to think they stepped up. I think they played pretty well last night. I think I mean, a lot of the guys considering we've been hating on. Yeah.
1: Claude Giroux and James Van Riemsdyk each had goals in that game and, and both of them had multiple chances to get goals in that game, really played their best games of the entire series by far.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and like I'm I'm just happy that it looked like Giroux like Drew's game four looked like a lot of effort, but he just came get it to result in anything. So I'm just happy he scored last night and it wasn't a loss where he didn't score. And then the entire off season was going to be about how drew has one goal in 27 postseason games or whatever. So, but I mean on that topic, uh, so for drew snapped the 14 game goal drought, uh, just in general, had two goals in the flyers last regular season, win against Buffalo, uh, also snapped the 14, uh, 14 game playoff goal drought. Um, and uh, his last goal was the first period of game six in the 2018 series against the Penguins. So he's got two goals in his last 27 playoff games. Or if you want to work the other narrative, he's got two goals in the Flyers' last three elimination games. So maybe he's just only scoring when it really, really matters. I'm going to look at it that way. You're just saying off. <laughs> you're saying the clutch. is in... here for clutch time and nothing else. Nothing else. So like we'll get a goal of him on Thursday, and then maybe not one on Saturday. Then no. three and three and five, and then uh, I'll just keep screaming that number instead of the three and thirty-five or whatever games. You know, I'll just go that route. That's how, that's how I'm. Up. But he did. I thought he was one of the best players on the ice last night. Like he was everywhere, and he was one of the players that it felt like. uh The annoying thing about this postseason has kind of been, it feels like the Canadians and Islanders are staying in these series or you know pushing play in these series. Mainly based on effort, like it just seems like they're executing the little things and you know, kind of knocking the Flyers on their heels with four-checking or just getting the loose pucks or winning board battles, which is all really annoying narrative bullshit. But it kind of feels like what's going on. I and mean, last just, night,
1: just look at the end of Game Four where the Flyers pulled the goalie and had a chance to to tie the game up and just got pinned into the boards. Like it was not like they just had like it was the middle of the second period.
0: Six on five, Scott Mayfield is just, you know, he's sitting in the corner, drinking a Fresca, reading a comic book. Just real, nobody's even, nobody's doing anything. He's just sitting there, running out the clock to win a fucking playoff game. That's so, Scott yeah, in the corner. No, you're right. <laughs> it's Scott in the spotlight. It's, uh, it's eating up the clock. He's not, yeah, he's not losing his religion, though. Although last night should probably help him lose his religion a little bit, and then hopefully by the end of the series he's just full atheist. But, but like last night, it seemed like they were all over it seemed like they were the ones kind of putting the Islanders on, on their heels. And it, it felt that way the entire game until the last couple minutes. And then over time, they pushed play and, and, and made it happen. But uh, JVR uh, the JVR goal drought, too. I look at it as, okay, so he had a 12-game goal drought. Uh, he scored uh, his 19th goal the season in the Flyers 5-2 whenever the Rangers on February 28th and hadn't scored since then. But the Flyers have played 18 games where they didn't get a goal from JVR. And I think that's a more important streak because he wasn't hurt. He just was playing shitty enough to get scratched. So it wasn't like he was playing well and he wasn't scoring. It wasn't like the argument from earlier in the year, I felt like, where he was getting, like, he was one of the better generators of, like, expected goals. He was getting high-quality chances. He was putting up a lot of shot attempts, but nothing was going in. It was kind of, he was invisible for a while. And last night, I mean, that was... Uh, that was a pretty good goal, and like he had a pretty good chance in Game Four. And
1: I thought he he's actually kinda... has
0: come on in the past few
1: games, yeah, especially no, now that he I finally agree. he finally has line mates.
0: Yeah, now that he has players that are yeah like decent line mates, and like I, he was a guy that kind of avoid like people just missed when it came to the big guns showing up. I felt like like everybody was calling out Drew and Voracek and connecting like the names that deserve to be called out, but like JVR, I feel like got less of the blame just because a lot of people are already. Assuming he's going to be a Seattle Kraken in a few years. But, like, if he – I agree with you. I feel like he's been looking better and he's been getting more dangerous chances. So, like, if he's a guy that can heat up and the Flyers start going back to their – low to high look for greasy goals and muscle and rebounds down low uh i think i'd want my power forward to feel like start feeling it if they're going to go that route so i i don't know i want
1: to see him back on the first power play unit (laughs) to be honest because
0: i I wouldn't mind that either because it's not exactly like it's killing it
1: (laughs) and his special he's a goal scorer that's his specialty that's why he was signed here was to score goals especially you know in situations like that and the power play has been fucking horrible
0: yeah, it's been bad, and like, like that's I, the nicest
1: way I can put it. Fucking horrible. It's been no, no. Just,
0: it's been bad.
1: It's yeah. been abysmal. It's been bad. It's been terrible. Like you can't say enough bad things about this power play <laughs> because the Flyers are getting opportunities and they're just not doing anything with them. They got an overtime power play opportunity in the playoffs last oh night, my God, and it was pathetic. Bad.
0: Yeah, like, they really need to change up something. And, like, we talked about Rolf and I think that might be the big change on the power play. And, like, JVR, I'm sure people are losing their minds right now because one of the big talking points in the middle of the season was how bad the power play was. And it's because they put Drew on the wrong side and had JVR trying to do this, like, download bullshit all the time that just didn't work. But if you give him, I think if they keep the same formation they got going now and you just make jvr won the wings i don't think it would be the end of the I, I think it would it's worth a shot considering how the power play has been working out recently
1: i mean nothing would be the end of the world at this point because they have what was what's the power play out at, at this point like four for 30 something like i thought I'll,
0: I'll it was like it. four yeah i i don't want to exaggerate but i thought it was for like four for 44 or something obnoxious i thought that was a number i saw that 44 feels pretty high but yeah um while you're doing that, I'm going to talk about some of these other goals. I mean, all four goals snapped the goal droughts, double-digit goal droughts yesterday. So we talked about True, we talked about JVR, Niskanen. Niskanen. I thought Niskanen played pretty well last night. I don't know. Uh, snapped the 16-game goal drought. Scored a goal. You can't complain about that. Yeah. Uh, snapped the 16-game goal drought uh, overall. Snapped the 30 30-game, 34-playoff game goal drought. Uh, his last pl- goal in the playoffs was on May 1st, 2018. In the Cavs' 4-3 win over Pittsburgh in game three of the 2018 second round. Um, and he he and Proveroff, I think the big takeaway last night for them, um, yeah, i at the fancy stats real quick. So the last five games at that, that was the top pair. So not including game six of the Canadian series, because Proverolf was doing shift work with the other uh defensemen back there. But the last six games, the the last six games, Rolf and Niskanen have been paired. Uh, they were they allowed at least one goal against that 5-on-5 five five in the five games leading up to last night. And then last night, they had a goal differential of 2 and 0 So they were on the ice for both uh, two goals, Niskanen's goal, and Rolf set up Lawton's overtime winner. Uh, and they didn't give the Islanders a goal against that 5-on-5. Five five. First time they've done that in this series against the Islanders, and they were also on the ice for a goal against in game five of that uh, Canadian series. So that's kind of big. They didn't really push play, uh, they had 7 of the 17 shots while they were on the uh, the Flyers had 7 of the 17 shots while those two were on the ice of 5 and 5 and they had a 36 expected goals 4 percentage, but results. I mean, they were going up against the top line, too, uh, so yeah. they went 2-0 against Lee Barzell and Everly. so I think that's a huge, I mean, like right now, if you're going to be logging those type of minutes against that type of talent, and you come out in the positives, I'm I'm fine with it.
1: I mean, that's a good, that's a talented line, like they, that's the one line on the island Yeah, no, that's line the line, go, yeah. Yeah, they're they're talented. I actually am scared of that line. Lee is a a great goal scorer. Uh, Barzal is... We were talking about this pre-show, but there's not a a ton of Islanders I would really be dying to have on the Flyers. Barzal's the one guy. I would absolutely love to have him in the Orange and Black.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he is a lot of why... It's a lot of why the Islanders are successful. Most of the team is just... Defensive oriented, making sure they don't give up high quality chances against, wait for the opportunities. But Barzell is the guy that just goes in there and just—I forget who put it this way—but uh, he's kind of like a um, a system breaker, like like he's just a game breaker. Like he just—it doesn't matter what kind of defense you throw at him, he's going to go out there, skate around the like skate around the zone, wait for his opportunities, and create create something out of nothing. And I think that's a big aspect for the Islanders team because they don't have much. Above average skill, or like players that you really desire because of their god given talent, it's really just more about you know. It looks like they're buying into the system. I think we we landed on Anders Lee too. Like I'll take a guy that's i four goals all five. From, yeah, like if he's gonna cause problems in front of the net, I mean, I mean Wayne Simmons was kind of that guy too for a while. So I'll, I mean, I'll take an Anders Lee in front. Yeah, kind of would help the power play right now. You know? Oh yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure.
1: Uh for the record, the Flyers power play is 4 for 46, which is good for 8.7% for uh last Yikes. Amongst, last amongst active clubs in the playoffs uh currently and uh of all the playoff teams this year it's only better than the New York Rangers.
0: There you go. And we saw how good the Rangers did. And uh you know, that's part of the reason why these two series have been painful because uh they haven't really and really dictate a play at 5 and 5 And the way you work around that is by great goaltending and getting goals on the power play. And uh, they've gotten the great goaltending part, which we'll get to in a second. But, yeah, power play's got to figure it out. I mean, I at this point, I really think it is Sanheim and maybe switch some of the personnel down low. But I would like to see Sanheim at the point right now. I also just, I mean, I'd rather give Proveroff more rest. If he's going to be on the top line, or the top pair going up against their top line, I'd rather give him a break at some point, and he's still going to be out there on the penalty kill, anyways. So uh, I don't know. That that would be my one suggestion. Uh, I don't know. You you feeling the JVR change though? I am like JVR, and uh, yeah, and then yeah, it's for uh, who?
1: I think I think Pro-Ruff and I mean, what are we talking about currently for the the unit? I mean, if healthy. If is not healthy, yeah, I say you yeah, definitely it's... have to do it.
0: Um, yeah, I mean that'll be the big thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think he'll be the guy, yeah.
1: Move Claude Drew over to center, uh, JVR, uh,
0: Voracek. JVR in front, yeah. I and think, then, yeah, you could do like Sandheim at the top. Giroux Sandheim at the uh, top. Drew on the top right, of the, or top left circle, usually is. Voracek on the other boards. And then you have JVR and, yeah, JVR in front. Yeah, that would probably, yeah. And then um, connecting as well.
1: Connecting uh, your fat Ruby, one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like the way Farabee's been playing. Well, I like the way I Farabee's been has playing series, yeah. offensively more. <laughs> Farabee has not been impressive defensively uh, throughout <laughs> the playoffs, but, I mean, he's been doing more than enough offensively
0: to to really, you know, for,
1: to, for me to ignore
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that hit? Because we were just talking about that before the show, too. I, I think it's uh, the Adam Pellick hit. I... Uh, I don't know. I it's don't think like, he's gonna get suspended. It's borderline,
1: right? Like I it's. Know. I think he did everything by the book, but everybody knows it's. It, he definitely. It felt like there's a little bit of malicious intent there. Maybe not like outright malicious intent, but like yeah, but he yeah. definitely wanted to lay him out, and he took the opportunity. Like it's not a necessary hit for that situation, and he's definitely going for the head, even though it's not like there's not an elbow or a shoulder like leaning in, but like it's a solid hit and. I, I think he definitely meant to have the head included in it, but he did everything by the book. So I can't really, I, I I don't expect anything to happen out of this, but yeah, I'll be like, if it does happen, I'll be like, okay, good. But if it doesn't, <laughs> I'm not shocked. I'm not, I have no expectation of him getting suspended.
0: Yeah. I mean, I really, I, it definitely, you can definitely tell he's stepping up because he wants to lay somebody out because it's a playoff series. So he wants everybody to kind of, deal with that damage a little bit later. I think it was the point of contact is the head. And for me, be, that be that. might be enough to warrant a suspension. But then the argument comes in about like, it looked like Haraby. Faraby kind of had his head down a little bit. Like it wasn't like he was standing upright and Pelic left his feet and connected with the head. It was like Faraby was kind of hunching down and Pelic just timed it upright to get his shoulder into his head and kind of crush him. So like, I don't know. I can see if he's not suspended, I'm not going to lose sleep though but like i it, it was it was you know, I, you know i wasn't a fan of the hit you know it was kind of borderline i uh you know that's that's uh, just one man's opinion it's just my opinion i would prefer that faraby doesn't get laid the fuck out that would be my uh, stance going forward hopefully it just uh doesn't get hit but uh so i think he he's fine the other two injuries that might be in question are katori and Barthol and uh Couturier had a hit on Barzal, and it looked like he messed up his right knee, which was the knee that he had hurt, you know, a while back. Um,
1: didn't look great.
0: Decided to, yeah, as decided to submarine him uh, in 2018. But uh, I did see a bunch of people pointing out when the Flyers like put uh, posted like their post-game celebration video to the Flyers account, Couturier was standing in the doorway and not leaning on crutches. So read into that as much as you want. I mean, that's uh, literally five seconds of a video, so I I, I wouldn't take that into account too much, but we're not going to find out. Like, they're just not letting details out of the bubble. Like, I think him and Barzell are just both game time, questionable for tomorrow. And, uh, like, I I think Trots and Navy kind of want that gamesmanship anyway.
1: If if they don't play, they'll literally just say they're not playing, and that's all they have to do because of the system that the NHL has set up for this. And Mm -hmm. whatever your opinion might be on that, that's what it is.
0: Yep. I mean, we can't change it. That's just what it is. And Barzell, I mean, I that that injury last night was pretty fucking scary. Like, that really did remind me of the... Th- that looked a lot like Grabowski-Pronger. Um, and it was unfortunate, but he... Lo- I mean, it, hopefully he's fine. I mean, just not... I, I don't want to win the series like that if he ends up being out. Like, that would be a real shitty way if he misses the last two games. And that's uh, how the Flyers. I mean, I'll take it. But that's not the way I want to do it. And I hope he is just healthy. I mean, because he is, I mean, yeah, I like, he's just a good player. And that'll be a real shitty way of, like, if that ends up being something uh, real serious. So,
1: you're a good sport, Craig.
0: You're a good. Yes. <laughs> I'm just a good guy. I think that's the point of this podcast. I'm a good guy. Good I'm trying guy, to make Craig. Steven a better guy, too. Yeah. I'm like, it's, you know, I've been working on it a couple of years, it's going to take a while, but it's, I'm just a really good guy. That's the main point of this podcast. Let's talk about Carter Hart. Speaking of good guys, beautiful baby boy is fucking dominating. He is. I think he's the answer in that. He's been playing pretty fucking well. And uh, I just talked about last night. He made two ginormous stops in overtime on Devontae's and Brock Nelson. Uh, Taves got a cross-ice bid for a one-timer that Hart stopped and it Looked like it might go five on him, but he stopped him, uh, sliding side to side, and then he just stopped the Brock Nelson uh, breakaway a couple of minutes later. Like those looked like guaranteed goals that Hard single-handedly put an end to, and then gave uh, plenty of time for Lawn to uh, to get the game winner. Actually, let's talk about Lawn real quick, because i will come back to Carter Hart. Okay. Yeah, Lawn snapped the ten-game goal or a ten-game goal drought. He had two goals uh, against the Caps in the round robin, and also had a goal against the Bruins in the opening game of the round robin, but had not scored since. His first ever overtime goal in the regular season or the postseason. I'm not counting that Pittsburgh exhibition game as an overtime goal for him. So that to me was his first real overtime goal in the NHL. And I wanted to run through uh, Slam and Sammy, who we'll 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 talk about that gentleman a little bit later in the show. But <laughs> coming up later, <laughs> tweeted out uh, some info from hashtag NHL stats uh, that cited that Lawton became the seventh flyer to score an overtime goal. In an elimination game, he's the first one to do so since Billy Leno in Game 6 of the 2011 Eastern Conference quarterfinals against Buffalo Sabres, the series which the Flyers won in seven games. I wanted to run through the rest of them really quick and then just talk about one of the, uh, I guess, one of the bigger games in franchise history that was so long ago that, like, you know, just nobody cares who talks about it, so we'll definitely talk about it on here because I'm a weirdo. But Simone Gagné had the overtime winner in Game 4 of the 2010 Eastern Conference semifinals against the Bruins that was the Game Four overtime goal that sprung the uh, amazing comeback in 2010. Before that, Joffrey Lupul scored in Game Seven of the 2008 Eastern Conference quarterfinals to knock out the Caps, uh, which was, you know, just one of my one of my favorite goals ever. Just that one. Just and then just talking to people the next day at school was great. Uh, Simone Gagne in Game Six of 2004 Eastern Conference Final against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was the last time uh, the Flyers have had an overtime goal in an elimination game. And then ultimately lost the series, as we know the Flyers lost that in seven. And then a couple that I don't think people remember or know about. Dave Pullen uh, had the Game 6 winner in the 1989 uh, Prince of Wales Conference Final against the Canadians, which the Flyers lost in seven games. And then Don Blackburn, in Game 6 of the 1968 quarterfinals against the Blues, uh, had a goal in double overtime. Uh, It was a 2-1 win. I mean, we, we all remember it. Clear as day. I was there. It was a great game. Uh, Andre Lacroix tied the game with 15 seconds left. Uh, and then Dan Blackburn won, won in a double overtime. Blackburn and Rosario Paymont uh, led the team with six shots on goal. A couple of names that I just you know, want to throw out there. And then Bernie Perron stopped 63 of 64 shots. The only 60-save game in franchise history. I know what some of you are thinking. Boucher stopped 57 in that five-overtime game. But fucking Bernie Pratt was 63 saves. <laughs> Only the Lord 63 King. saves. Yeah, 63 saves, which uh, just one goal guess. Just incredible.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable. And uh, hey, actually, I think that's... I think, that's... <laughs> uh, I think uh, that leads into the next one pretty well, though. So, Alex Athliard, uh, the athletic, uh, tweeted this out about Hart. Uh, that Hart is now the 10th all-time... 10th all-time in Flyers playoff wins with eight. Because... As history is gonna see it, those wins against the Bruins on Lightning and Lightning in the Round Robin count as playoff wins. So right now he has eight. Um ninth is Czech Monik with nine. Wayne Stevenson is eighth with ten. Martin Braun is seventh with eleven. Uh yeah, Peters is sixth with uh, eleven, Kelly Lindbergh is fifth with twelve, Robert Ash is fourth with thirteenth, Brian Boucher is third with twenty-one, Bernie Perront second with thirty-five, Braun Hextall first with forty-five wins. So I think, I think Hart's going to slowly start moving up these ranks pretty quick, and he's going to get past a lot of these guys in in short order.
1: It takes like two years. I mean,
0: it take it's taking one right now. Yeah, I mean, by the end of this series, if the Flyers come back, he's going to already be tied for eighth. So
1: this is something then, that uh, we saw a lot of if you were following Fly properly under quarantine over the summer and spring, is the Flyers goalie records, especially in the playoffs. Are not very impressive, and a lot of that are is
0: hilarious. Just it is hilarious.
1: A lot of that is due to just the turnover that has happened, though, with the goaltending. You know, I mean, it's always it, it, that's the Flyers' reputation is they're always looking for a goalie, and the playoff stats really tell the tale of the tape there, where you see guys like Monic is up there for a lot of Flyers records, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Steve Mason's up there a bunch, not for a lot of playoff stuff. Because Steve Mason appeared like once or twice And he was hurt for like yeah. half of them But it's 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 really sad That's the saddest part of Flyers No, history. It's it's so top heavy It's Bernie, it's Ron Hextall And that's pretty much it for most of the records Yeah
0: Like honestly, and I love Boosh But that, I mean, you know He was kind of there for the right teams <laughs> He was just, he's been there for a while And he's kind of been there for Some pretty good teams Um, But I think you know, even if Flower season ends tomorrow night or ends on Saturday, I think the one thing we can take away from this postseason is uh, I think they have their guy. Uh, he's looked fucking good. He's looked real good this entire postseason, and uh, he's stolen games. And he my biggest the only time is, he's
1: my biggest thing is he's largely looked unfazed. He's not looked rattled, mm-hmm. and that's one of the criticisms that I think Sergei Bobrovsky's really. Had throughout his NHL career. I mean, it's hard to t- talk too much shit on Sergei Bobrovsky as somebody who's won the Vesna, uh, and a couple he, times, yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, he, he's a phenomenal goalie, but his lack of playoff success—you know—I it might be a little unfair because he was on the goddamn Blue Jackets, like not they weren't going to succeed anyway. But yeah, right, right. It, it is looked at as his major flaw is his lack of playoff success, and you could say he does get rattled uh somewhat easily sometimes because i you know i'm not sure how i'm not sure if that's just a rep an unfair reputation or what but oh no i was i was gonna
0: say like it does seem like in the postseason he does I, like sometimes he doesn't get help in the postseason but then some of the goals he gives up are uh i don't know they're pretty suspect it was, an and i know uh, uh, for the
1: the panthers he was an absolute yeah. disaster oh yeah the regular season and the playoffs and that te- that Panthers team didn't help him defensively by any means, but he left in some some friggin
0: cupcakes. Yeah, that that was the whole thing was like he, you know, the Panthers are kind of a mess from their own red line in, but they, it wasn't like Bob was really kind of pushing like pushing against that grain a lot. Like he had a lot of bad goal tending numbers that were caused by the defense in front of him, but he didn't really do anything to kind of negate like how many like, goals were going to end up being scored against the Panthers, if that makes sense. Like, Hart's been doing the opposite of that in this postseason. And uh, I a stat I came across last night, the observations for the game last night, and the one that's been sticking with me to kind of illustrate just how fucking insane he's been this season is uh last night was his fourth game in the bubble where he stopped 10 or more high-danger chances uh in all situations for a game. So high-danger chances are pretty much just... Re, uh, rebound chances, uh, shots in quick succession, like uh, just any, like literally high danger chances. So he stopped, He made 10 of them last night. I think the Islanders had 12. He stopped 10 of them. Uh, five of his 12 games in the bubble, he's seen 10 or more high danger chances against. Jacob Markstrom of the Canucks is the only player that's been asked to stop 10 or more. Uh, he's had more games where he's been asked to stop 10 or more, and he said to do that six times. But he's only produced three games where he's produced 10-plus uh, high-danger saves or more. So he's 3-for-6 when given the opportunity, and Hart is 4-for-5. Um, his four games with 10-plus high-danger saves is uh, the most inside the bubble. So he is seeing a high volume of quality chances against, and he's also stopping that high-quality volume chances against. Uh, and he, the only one that's seen... Uh, like dangerous chances against a uh, more consistent rate as Markstrom and he's done pretty well, but he hasn't been as efficient as Hart. So, and like when you look at, you know, uh, I'm sure people listen to us know Sean Tierney charting hockey uh, and his website always does a um, goal saved for his expectation throughout the season. And when you look at the goalies in the bubble Hart it leads the entire pack for goaltending throughout all around. So even the goalies that have been eliminated, Carter Hart's on the best job at uh, saving, uh, saving goals versus what he was expected to stop. Oh, wow. So anyway, look at it. He's fucking killed it. And uh, it's really, you know, the Flyers haven't really been playing that great uh, these two these two rounds. And there's been a lot of questions about performances from big stars and the things that they were able to lean to and rely on during the regular season. Just kind of like It got not bad really enough that we were questioning yeah. the big stars on
1: the forecast this week. And yeah. we didn't do that. That's not what we nope. do. No. We... We usually give them yeah. the benefit of the doubt, especially I understand it's tough in the playoffs because they are being targeted as the guys to shut down, and teams make an extra effort to do that, but eventually you got to get something out of these guys. And it really is a tipping point for us. And to, yeah. again, Drew and JVR's credit, they stepped up, they put on their proverbial big boy pants in the last game, which <laughs> I, I know a lot of people have really taken umbrage with, with Vigneault's comment there, but I mean, he does do that kind of stuff with the vets to try and, and stir the pot and stir them up a little I bit.
0: think it's fine. I, I think the way he does it is fine. Like, I maybe not the big boy pants comment, but the rest of that comment where he was just like, I know they're trying. I know they're busting their balls. I need something more, though. I think that's a, I think that's the way to nudge them to be like, this is the time. Like, lay it all on the table. And Drew, he sacked up. I don't know what to say. Like, he just went out there and he got it. He, he showed up last night. He really did. And, like, guys... Tik has another one that you know we've been screaming. I've been screaming about where he's been. And last night I thought one was one of his better games overall. He was the first star. Entered last night with four points overall in 13 games in the bubble. They were all assists. Two of those assists came in the Caps round robin game. So he's really he's had two assists in the 12 other games besides that. Last night though had two assists and was really the reason why the goals were scored in my opinion. So the the Niskanen one he created a great cross ice pass right to Niskanen to set him up for the shot. And the JVR goal was a rush goal, but it was sprung by TK winning a puck battle with Adam Pellick in the flyer zone, and he was able to get the puck away from him and, and then keep him from moving up ice, and it became uh, a transition play that JVR was able to finish. So, And he also, in, in overtime, he, he set up Hayes for a pretty solid chance too, a cross ice bid that Hayes got pretty low in the slot and just couldn't beat Varlamov. So Konechny showed up last night too. Didn't score, but if he plays like that every night, the, the, the Flyers are in good shape, and they're probably going to win. That was always my thing with Drew was, even though he wasn't scoring, it was his team lacked depth, and, like, they they were doing, like you said, like, they're going to, if Drew's on the top line and you don't have a second, third, or fourth line, you're going to stack up your best defensive tandem of lines in a pair against Drew, and then uh, it's no surprise he's not scoring. And then also, I tweeted out the thing about the two goals in the last three elimination games last night, and Bill, Bill tweeted out a good point that I, had, like, forgot – was a big argument for why drew, I guess, shouldn't be dragged for those like not producing as much. Uh, the flyers get played, played Lundquist and the Rangers in 2014. Uh, the and that's Caps like peak with the
1: Lundquist right there. Like that's when peak Lundquist, Lundquist, the, Lundquist
0: the Lundquist that proceeded to drag them to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And, and then like died at the end of it because he knew that he was the reason why they were there. So that Lundquist, the cap seems that were absolutely loaded. And then Katoria goes down in that first series, but then you're talking about like Drew Drew's line out there against I think it was like at that time Ovechkin, Backstrom, and Minoshi and Katoria is out, so it's like all right, and there's nobody else on the team. And then 2018, you're playing Crosby and the Penguins, so it wasn't like this year's been frustrating because they don't have that excuse of taking on the biggest names in hockey. Like they played the Canadians and the Islanders, so you're taking on Carey Price and Matt Barzal. Like you should you should be producing right now. And the team has depth and they have a good defense and they have a goalie that can give you more opportunities to close out games. You got to start coming through now. Like, and I know you're older and I know, I, I don't know what it's like in the bubble and everything, but I, we just need to see more. And I really, I think they delivered last night and you know, if they, if they're the one knocking the other team on their heels and the guys, if we're going to start snapping gold droughts all, all the damn time, with every goal, I'm starting to feel better about this team. So, like, you know, the big thing was just scoring goals, and we got goal. We got four goals last night from guys that had not been producing. I think that's like I, I think my mentality towards this series has shifted a lot, and that makes sense because you know they won.
1: Well, it's again what we were saying on the forecast this week is the only way for the Flyers to come back in this series is if their big guns to do stuff because the Islanders. One of the things about the Islanders is we, you know, we joke about them just being a a solid lineup throughout, but that's one of the things that really benefited the Flyers in the round robin and late in the regular season was their depth. And when the Flyers don't outdo somebody on depth, they're going to run into problems like they did with, they are with the Islanders. So when you're even on the bottom six and the Islanders might even have an advantage on the bottom six, frankly, the Flyers' top uh, six yeah. is where they need to step up big time. And because we know the Flyers have more talent, okay? The, the Islanders are probably more solid from A to Z, but the Flyers definitely have a lot more talent in the first half of the alphabet right there. Yeah,
0: I I, I I agree with that. Yeah, like they should... Like if they... I think that's why last night was encouraging. I thought last night was the best game of the series for them. And it looked like... The Islanders are great when they're playing their game and when Barry Trotz is able to push all the right buttons, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup because he has them all playing the right way and they always seem to show up for games. And there's never an easy win against the Islanders, as we're seeing. I mean, both these games have been overtime wins where they blew multi-goal leads and the Islanders came back late. Um, But if you're able to take the play to the Islanders, that's where they kind of fall apart. And that's what I was trying to say on the forecast is like, it might be like if they beat the fires. I think the Islanders. I, I expect the Lightning to kind of have an easy time with them. But I think the Islanders will struggle just because the <laughs> the Lightning are gonna play. They they. I think they're figuring out how to keep pucks out of their own net, and they have a lot of talent that's just not gonna be like Braden Point's gonna do what Barzell does to other teams, and I don't know if the Islanders are. Big part of what the honors do is they let teams into the zone, but then they play great in zone defense. But uh, if Braden points going to be dancing around everybody and looking for cross lights passes or working his way into the slot for shots and looking for rebounds. I think they might run the more problems like that. Like the fires really don't have a guy that is doing that right now. And I'm not saying connect is a guy that should be, you know, pressure should be on the produce at that level of like a point or bars all, but Konechny is one of the better players of just kind of circling around the zone, look for something. And I,
1: Konechny was the team's leading scorer in the regular season. Yeah, And I think it's that simple, right? Like, Konechny's a guy they've relied upon all year. He's a guy – he's one of the key reasons they've been successful this year. And with him not producing, well, there's all the points, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Let's – I'm going to run through the – I'm gonna run through the stats real quick because we talked about uh, we talked about connected for a bit, but I wanted to talk about it. the the first line overall killed it last night. Uh, they really did. So Drew Katori-Vorchek, and again, we don't know the extent of Katori injury, and if he's out, that's that's gonna be some that that's gonna be a problem. I mean, and I know he hasn't produ- been producing as much, but just filling in the void with another center is gonna be it's gonna be Grant. I guess you just move Grant to three C. And then maybe have Lawton be the 2C? I, I don't know. Uh, but it's it would be Harry. But anyway, Drew Katori-Voracek, 82.35, 4 percentage, 14 shot attempts, 4, 3 against. Uh, 5 of the 6 shots while they were on the ice belong to the Flyers. 87.45 expected goals, 4 percentage. 1 goal, for, 0 goals against, and 7.43 at 5 on 5. And then also, Lawton, Drew, Voracek became the line uh, after Katoria got injured, and they also drove play and dominated, and ended up that was the line that was on the ice for Lawton's overtime winner. So, Drew, Voracek, I know and Voracek hasn't produced this series, but that line took it to the Islanders last night, and that was a big reason why they were successful and able to. Get the lead, get oh, the yeah. two goal lead, and then be able to finish in overtime. So the, that that line did a lot of things right.
1: The offensive pressure they were bringing late in the game was a huge difference maker. I mean, by late in the game, I mean more overtime because they didn't do shit for offensive pressure in the third period. Goddamn turtle. But like, yeah, yeah, when they took when they took control of the game for when they did, it was in large
0: part because of the efforts of that line. Yeah, and the Turling thing, you, you're right. Like they need to like I know that's probably a thing A.B. wants to lean into now, like a an insistence on like being more defensive minded. So that instead of pushing with the forecheck and kind of keeping the puck on the other end of the ice, I think he's going to be more willing to kind of just let the Islanders keep adding on pressure and then you're just playing prevent defense. But I don't think that's the way they should go about it because also that mentality ends up with you know Nate Thompson always on the ice against Barthol. So but uh. The second line though, Joel Farabee, Kevin Hayes, Tyler Pitlick, like that the, the line that started the game, uh ended with uh, eight shot attempts, four three against, five shots, four one against, ninety one point eighty three expected goals, four percentage, broke even in goals though, no goals for either side when the three were on the ice and seven ten. Uh going up against both the Anders top lines. But Hayes Hayes had a Hayes had a funky night. Uh he had Three scoring chances and I believe six shots on goal, which led the team. But then he was also on the ice for all three of the Islanders' goals. That Islanders' first goal is weird. I mean, like I and I think he was supposed to be high in the zone anyway, looking for uh, a possible outlet pass. So I don't did, really blame that one on him. Do you think that was a legal goal? Do you think the the refs made the right call? I I, I think they did. I, I don't know. Like there, that was. I have to go back and look, but I. No, you know what? I don't know. Hart really wasn't able to do anything on that play. I don't know how that wasn't even, like, a... How they didn't get that being reviewed, but... I don't know. Actually, let me look at that. I'm going to look at that goal right now, since we're talking about it. I thought I'm it was pretty bullshitty. <laughs> I thought it yeah, was AFL pretty shitty. But, like, that's just, like, the Islanders. Like, I feel like the Islanders yeah. always get the benefit of the doubt in those weird-ass goals. Like, I, I don't know. Like, they played Bears, an honest right. game to this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're right, but I'm just like... Yeah, I don't know. That's just, like, what they...
1: That's just what the Islanders do. That's just, Isles gonna Isle.
0: <laughs> New York, baby. Uh, and then I Listen, think the I could write. Against...
1: I, I mean, I could say like 4,000 or so words on this in the face-off battles so far. That's that's what people want.
0: Yeah, that's that's Except usually, on certain I mean...
1: websites, they they apparently don't want that. But
0: that's, you know, that's neither here nor <laughs> there. Uh, but also, I think the one... Out of the three goals, I think Hayes deserves a little bit of blame for... The last goal against, even though that goal should mainly be pinned on, honestly, Nate Thompson and Phil Myers. And again, Nate Thompson, another goal where he's trying to help out with pressure down low, and they can't get the puck out of the fucking zone. They get scored on, uh, but I think Hayes could have done more in support there. But you know, not really necessarily his fault. So uh, I'm gonna watch this uh, the opening goal again from last night and enjoy this Geico commercial. I fucking called it. I got the the Adina commercial that everybody's trying to Oh,
1: my God.
0: <laughs> it's the war. I did you see... Uh, Sean Gentile and uh, Down Goes Brown did an article where they, like, made Down Go... Uh, Sean made Down Go Brown watch the Geico commercial that everybody in America has to watch 30,000 fucking times each time he watched two playoff games. And then apparently Down Go Brown made Sean watch whatever the Canadian equivalent of that is. And then he just ripped apart the commercials for like an article. That's great. I, I thought that was like that the that's, best. That's, that's it's tremendous. so fucking like just throw in two or three other like commercials. It's insane. You see this like, commercial every single commercial break. It's like I feel like it just makes me not want to like.
1: When I you just have, don't want
0: Geico. Like, I'd never want to go to Geico. It's when just you the have the NFL playoffs,
1: ever. right, you only have to worry about a couple games, right? You just have to worry about three, four weekends, right? Whereas the NHL, it is such a long, protracted event that it's just the constant loop of the same commercials. That fucking auto-tuned $5 foot-long commercial. I hate it so much. <laughs> the Geico commercial's oh awful. Yeah. Oh my god, the Martin Brodor. No, not that cup, that cup. Not that cup, that cup.
0: I feel like, also, going back to that, going back to the Brodeur commercial, I feel like after, we were like, oh, do you mean the Calder Cup? I'm like, all right, fuck you, Martin. I'm like, you don't want, it's a coffee cup. You know what I should be talking about. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Come back, to, come to the Enterprise. I'm not driving this out to you. So, by the way, yeah, that goal, I don't know. I'm thinking it shouldn't have counted. Now, Pitlick pushed Barzal in there.
1: But then Barzal took his good, sweet time getting out and held the well, stick.
0: That's, again, I think he's kind of awarded it. Like, that becomes a thing of... I, I don't know. Like, you're right, like it's definitely a little bullshit. It,
1: I feel like if you're reviewing it, you should be able to catch that stuff and get the proper nuance. You should, yeah. Like, how I long mean, did they you fucking should. review that Kevin Hayes, uh, Varlamov, like... Pucks stuck oh, yeah. between the pads. With the broadcast, which we cannot oh, accuse yeah. of being flyer unfriendly, with Brian Boucher and Keith Jones, uh immediately
0: said <laughs> that's not a goal. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I did see a couple of fans fans like tweeting about that last night about like about how annoying the broadcast was because they had two foreign flyers on it. And I was like, oh, suck it. I don't know if that, like um yeah, that's usually how flyers and Eagles fans at the deal is just listening to other. I don't know, like players on shitty teams talk. Like, you know, we have to listen to Troy Aikman every week. So, uh, I don't know, deal with Brian Boucher and Keith Jones. A lot better option. <laughs> I really, I don't know. I don't really care. I don't really care about that shit. Um, but, yeah, that was, I don't know. Like, I can see how it probably shouldn't have been a goal. But if Pitley pushes him in there, I guess he... He's probably going to get away with doing whatever the fuck he wants. Sickness, we sweet have time getting out there. It's bullshit, but I, don't, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter now. Um, I guess a, a JVR long connecting line, though. Uh, 61.11 course uh, of four percentage, three to one shots, 48.18 expected goals, four percentage, one and own goals in 6.04 uh, of time on the ice. And then went up against the top line a decent amount, too. But uh, the one goal again was JVR. And as Charlie pointed out, maybe didn't put it at home as cleanly as you'd like to see a guy that uh, you'd like to start seeing goals, especially in the wide open nets, but he did get it in. I mean, he got it in, and that's usually what we're all, you know, when we're trying to get it in, it's just all about how, not really, you know, or not how, but just if it got in. So, you know, um, and uh, that again, TK had a fucking phenomenal game, and uh, the fourth line sucked. fourth line was terrible last night, and uh, I hate a lot of people, like, a lot of people defend Thompson at times. And not, like, he's been okay this series, but it's the idea of, like, eventually that the dam's going to break if you keep throwing him out there against the top line. He like he, de- doesn't, Barzell's a,
1: he doesn't look good. Like, I
0: see him out there. No, he doesn't, just Like, oh, stop it, stop it. Well, like, the whole thing is he's just, like, guys like him and, and Grant's kind of another one, too, but mainly guys like Thompson, they always get that credibility of being, like, the veteran leadership and experience and he'll he'll block shots to do the gritty shit. And it's like, yeah, but that guy, like, he brings no offensive upside. I know he scored a goal in the bubble. Let's be fucking serious. Like, he's not what was what's been his other scoring chance besides that? I don't know. It, like Grant Thompson and NAK just spent a lot of time in the defensive zone last night. Uh ten shot attempts happened while that three were those three were on the ice. Eight of those shot attempts belonged to the Islanders. They got off shot six to zero at five on five. They had a two point one five expected goals for a percentage. They didn't give up any goals, but they should have. Like, that's the thing that I don't like about this argument of, like, him being out there spending all the time in the defensive zone and they don't get scored on. It's the same kind of thing that the, the argument that I make with Hack. It's like, okay, he's not getting scored on, but is he, like, limiting offensive chances or is it just coincidental that Hart's able to make all these saves and <laughs> he's just, like, giving up top-notch stuff? Like, do you know what I mean? If he's not doing anything, what is the appeal of, like... And then when he's out there and they get scored on, people defend him, too. it's like, we're giving him the low bar of don't get scored on a five-on-five. Five. But if he fucks that up, he deserves to get yelled at.
1: We've been talking about this shit for, like, ten years at this years. point. Because Yeah, no, this, like, is, this is a Van de not to, argument. Not to give Dave Haxtell the, the slightest bit of, it's not even credit, but, like, I don't know. People criticize Haxtell constantly for deploying guys like Van de Velde and Belmar in these situations, and they got credited as good defensive players for a period of time. But, That's just what some coaches do. A lot of coaches do that. And it's, it sucks. It's just, unfortunately, you know, AV was really good about it for most of the year. But now that we're in, you know, anytime, anywhere clutch time, it's, he's falling back on the habit. And that's just something that
0: coaches do, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't like it just because it feels a little bit like the Tanner Glass stuff, like his reliance on Tanner Glass. Now, Nate Thompson is better than Tanner Glass, which not a fucking high bar clear. But I just then if like if it's going to be a thing where he's going to lean on Thompson and he's going to, unfortunately we don't know if is healthy or not. He's got to be hurt. That's my assumption. But like if because if Grant's on force, he's on the line on the on the fourth way or he's a. Uh, on the fourth line, is on the wing, and they're getting hemmed in their own zone. Like he can't, like he's got to get the fuck out of there. Like he he wasn't working on the third line. Now the fourth line isn't really clicking with him. I'd rather see another body in there. And I don't know if you turn it Bunneman, but and also to your point too, like if this is what coaches do, then I'm gonna lean on Fletcher to take the toys away from him again. Like the I wanted Hextall to do with Hextall, they he never did. So if you know that if you have Thompson on the roster and your coach is gonna lean on him to get murdered nightly by Bisal, then don't give him a player like Thompson. Find another fourth line center that is able to actually spend most of the time in the offensive zone, and that's his version of defense, is just keep the puck as far away from your own net as possible.
1: Well, the funny thing it's is kind of hard to score. we went out Pagot. and <laughs> could have had Pajot for again, I think the price was too high. But a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I Let's mean, look up it was ended like a up getting first and a third. Grant and Thompson instead of Pajot and Grant for a while looked like a steal because he was scoring goals, but Thompson, I've never been impressed with Thompson and he was barely in the lineup before the bubble and now he's a nightly staple.
0: And I don't and I yeah, I don't really know what that is. I mean, I Oh, I'm trying to look at this trade. I don't see what the fuck the Paggio Paggio trade was. Real quick, it was a 2020 conditional first, a, a 2020 second, uh, a a 2022 conditional third. So they gave up a first, a second, and a third for Paggio. For uh, Paggio, as I believe. Uh, He's a rental. I don't know if he has a.
1: I think they signed him to an extension. Yeah, this is his last. Believe it's like five. Uh, yeah, they did. They did five mil a yep. season or something like that. Which,
0: which uh, I don't know for Pajot, I mean...
1: but I mean, if his playoff production is actually what he's going to do every year in the playoffs, that's a steal. But I doubt that.
0: Yeah. I mean, also right now, if I had that comfort of knowing uh, the three C spot was locked up, I you know, but I don't know. I wouldn't I guess I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I five five mil for a third line center might be a little. Uh, a little steep, but again, I think I think that's got to be something they figure out before next postseason is. I mean, there's like teams hopefully, it's there, Patrick,
1: there's teams out yeah. there paying five mil for backup goaltending now.
0: <laughs> I man, what is that? what is? Are you talking about the Canadians? I am. Yeah, what the hell? Why? Why are you trading for Jake Allen? Like, is your, like, are, are they finally going to do it? Are they going to do the whole four skaters, two goalies thing? Are we about to see that next year? You know, there's no other reason the, to do it. Canadians fucking, fans seem pretty happy yeah.
1: about it, too. Like, we got a quality backup
0: goaltender. It's like,
1: buddy, you paying so like, $15 million I, for goaltending.
0: Yeah, like, and, like, the thing, too, is, like, it wasn't like Price ran out of steam in the postseason. It wasn't like, oh, look at him, he's exhausted. It was just, he played, he was pretty fucking good. He might be... Like, by the numbers, he might end up being like the second best goalie in these playoffs behind Hart in terms of like quality save versus quality against. So it wasn't like he he was on E at the end of the tournament there. Like, so giving giving him less starts during the regular season doesn't make any sense, especially for whatever the fuck Jake Allen's getting paid. Like, why? I, you know what? I'm hoping maybe, I think maybe Bergerman is just going to go into the GM meetings. Like, look, you guys know I got two goalies. And you know I want to play those two goalies. So we got to be able to play two goalies at once. I think that's what he's pushing for. That's the only re- That's the only thing I got. There's no way you spend that much money on. I mean, on it's Goldberg a bold thing. strategy,
1: but if you could put a uh, Goldberg at, at defenseman and the Mighty Ducks, then that's, it's worth a shot.
0: I mean, yeah, absolutely. That yeah, was Mighty Ducks
1: three point. though, so it only barely counts. Yeah, that's not even like a. Yeah,
0: yeah that's that's a good point. Well, I mean, uh, defense too. Uh, we went through Provorov and Niskanen, and I think them, like they just had the yeah. end. Get on the right side of the the production uh, end of uh, the results because again for a while there like the your top line can't give up can't keeping up uh, giving up a goal against that five on five uh, it's really hard to win that way and Niskanen had looked like a doo-doo for a little bit of time there looked I thought he looked a little bit better last night it was definitely
1: his best I'd say it's best game of the playoffs for sure
0: I, I think I think that's yeah that's probably safe to say um, Sanheim Myers. 59.09 course four percentage, 14 to seven in shots, uh, 52.83 expected goals, four percentage, two goals for, one goal against. Uh, mainly went up against the bavillier Nelson Bailey line. Uh, it looked like the Flyers got the better of that line last night, which is huge because that line has been on fire for the Islanders all, all postseason. Like the top line is obviously potent and dangerous, but bavillier Nelson Bailey has been producing. It's been like one of the barrel
1: lines in the whole in the whole
0: postseason. Oh
1: Bovillier and Nelson in particular have been killing
0: the flyers. Oh my God. Yeah. Now then that and that Nelson I mean like that Nelson shot last night was maybe the only one that I guess Hart won back, but it was still a pretty fucking good shot. so I, I don't know. Um and then the third pair. Uh Hagbron, uh fourteen to nine in shot attempts, two shots for five shots against while they were out there. Forty six point two seven expected goals. Four percentage no goals for and no goals against in twelve thirty-three, going up against the fourth line and the third pair of the Islanders. And again, Hag was on the ice. I thought he could have done more to help prevent that last goal, but it wasn't really all on him. It was really more on Thompson or and Myers. But uh, I did I – was, I was ready to lose my mind because the whole argument of, well, they're not giving up goals, almost backfired at the absolute worst time of the season because oh, yeah. that was – Thompson and Hang were out there and they gave up a goal uh, because they are, you know, because, you know, they don't do anything out there. So, and then, uh, but luckily Lawton was able to uh, to bail him out. So, uh, and again, I. I'm really hoping
1: that Scott Lawton is back and, because he looked completely oh, yeah. lost for a while. He, he has was, fucking
0: terrible he, games. Yeah.
1: He was insane in the round robin scoring goals, just like a force to be reckoned with. And then he was just some of the worst turnovers I've, uh, turnovers I've ever seen in the past like few games and that, yeah exactly. Uh, thankfully he looks like he's right at the ship and I really hope he has because he looked real bad for a while.
0: Yeah and like I just like you said it's it wasn't just the fact it wasn't scoring because you know Lawton isn't really a guy you look to for goals too often from the Flyers but it was just the fact of like in that Canadian series it felt like he. You just had to play really tight hockey and not give up mistakes. And he was just serving up pizzas. Like, he was just giving up the worst turnovers in the defensive zone. And just, I mean, luckily the Flyers have Carter Hart, is what it came down to for some of those plays. But uh, yeah, hopefully he, if he can turn around and these guys that scored last night are no longer, uh, you know, gripping the sticks that tight, Steve, uh, you know, they can kind of loosen up and start getting more chances. I think the Flyers will be, the Flyers might be able to, you know, put something together. You know, one game at a time. You got to play a full sixty minutes, uh, shift by shift, and uh, maybe they'll, uh, you know, uh, force a game seven. We'll yeah, find pull, out. play a full sixty oh. minutes is a tall order for this team. <laughs> this team has been allergic to playing a full sixty minutes. It's fascinating. Uh, they almost did it last night, and then they decided to fuck around near the end of the game.
1: Maybe Hack is uh, like it's... maybe Elaine Vigneault. We're gonna we're gonna tear off the mask, and he's Hack
0: after all that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the this the shooting from low to high thing. I get it right now, but it's still just, man, it's killing me. Like, I just hate that that's a, that we had to watch so much of that over the years as like a choice rather than leaning on it to beat a defensive team where you're not going to get as many open chances or just open looks. But uh, I guess it is what it is. Um,
1: Yes. Well, hopefully the Flyers have gotten their shit together and can actually win a game without collapsing a lead and heading to overtime to win it. That would be,
0: very good Yeah, nice. it'll be, be kind of nice, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, finish off that game. I mean, like, just, to, you know, close out that game. That it was a nice 3 means... 1 win.
1: It didn't it help. Feel better. It really didn't help that Katoria got hurt, but Barzell got hurt for the Islanders, so it kind of evened out a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we'll see. Again, I, I couldn't see any definitive words. Like, I didn't get any definitive statement on uh, if those two are going to play tomorrow, but I'm assuming it's just games and shit, and we'll, we'll know more tomorrow.
1: We could do a pregame show. A half hour before the game and not know,
0: <laughs> and still not know. Yeah, exactly. So that's, how that's it uh we're not. Oh, uh, we're not getting blamed for that. You guys can blame other people for that info. Probably the NHL for the uh, unfit to play uh, terminology and whatnot. Unfit to play.
1: He could be sick. Who knows? We're not going to tell. And him. might have.
0: Yeah. Well, you guys will find out. Yeah, we'll find out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking like right now. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com
1: Well, Craig, I would like to take this moment and address the fact that we did not do a show last week. And there is a very good reason for that, a significant reason. And I'd like to address that at this time. So uh, last week around this time, uh, the Flyers and Islanders did play and the Flyers had a game where they blew a lead and won in (laughs) overtime. Again, that's that's a, a theme I kind of hate, but that's how it is. Uh, but while they were doing that, news came out that the NBA players were not going to play. And the reason for that was they were going to uh, to basically hold a protest uh, in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting in Wisconsin. And it's it was a significant moment. And I think it's really worth mentioning that the protest was initiated and done by the NBA players. It's not... The league that, you know, came out, the league did not want this to happen. The players really used their power in such an admirable way and came right. out and, and did a, a noble thing. And then other leagues started to follow. The NHL did not follow on Thursday. And it was... Uh, on Wednesday. On Wednesday. Wednesday. They, yes, on, on Wednesday. Yeah. So... It was a little uncomfortable, (laughs) a little uncomfortable as a a fan of the sport. It's not great. Yeah. To see them not taking that stand, but then the players did come out and put their heads together and decide to not play for Thursday and Friday. And I'm really glad they did that. I'm glad they, they consulted uh, some of the black players in the league to get their two cents on the matter and really, you know, see what the right thing to do is. I mean, You'd like them to take a stand all on their own, but the fact that they're even initiating conversations, considering how bad hockey players are at communication, and really taking a stand that's detrimental to a team—that's a—that's a big step for these guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, to me, I think the big thing was, um, like, I think a big, I guess, issue with everything surrounding. Uh, the situations like the Jacob Blake shooting or the George Floyd death or Brianna Taylor death and all these things are, it's the, I guess, the recognition of the issue at hand by people that aren't really affected by the issue. So to just put it bluntly, I mean, a lot of these police brutality situations are happening against black people, like black people are inexplicably getting murdered on film by police and then that's where most of the rage is coming from and then for a league like the nhl where it's predominantly white players for them to not really like wednesday it just wasn't exactly the best look because they weren't aware of the issues that were going on they really weren't sure you know you know they got to the rink and they heard what the nba did and they just kind of played anyway and it was all this stuff where it was kind of like The issue is not enough people kind of understanding the gravity of the situation. And that's what the NHL looked like on Wednesday. But then on Thursday, to me, I thought they did a pretty good job. And I thought Ryan Reeves kind of gave a summary of what I'm trying to, you know, say right here with all these uh, pretty poorly. But Ryan Reeves said that it was Kevin Shattenkirk and I think Bill Horvath or a couple of guys from the Canucks reached out to him to see what they should do. And he emphasized that it was a huge thing that it was, White players reaching out to him to be like, "Hey, how can we help?" and not like, you know, like how it had been, where it been like the few limited black players in the NHL had to kind of take charge and be the ones that had to be like, "Hey, this is why all this is wrong." While on Thursday, it seemed like it was more like Kevin Chow and Kirk and a couple Canucks recognized like the issues at hand and they wanted to get involved. And I, you know, a lot's been made about like what are two days off of games. Like what's that going to accomplish? But I it got don't the conversation to comment on that. Yep. I think that's that's, all that...
1: that's the biggest thing here. Yep. It it brought awareness to uh, a subject that really inexplicably seemed to be flying under the radar. I think part of that is just the fact that it's been such a just miserable, miserable year. Twenty twenty has been just, it's been terrible. Yeah. It's been horrible. I mean, it, it just gets worse and worse. And I think it's numbed us a bit. And especially after the George Floyd protest everything, that was huge. That was such a, yeah. a tremendous movement. And the Jacob Blake incident where he you know, he he was unnecessarily shot during uh an incident with police, it just at least you know that's again that's the the story out there it seems completely unnecessary that he was shot i believe he is he can't walk yeah. right now right he's he's paralyzed, he's paralyzed. yeah yeah and it's yeah. it's something that just seemed to be i mean not totally flying under the radar but was not handled it wasn't as big of a deal to people as george floyd and it's and that, all these incidents and are, that's the are, thing horrific and we yeah. need to bring awareness of that and i'm very proud of the nba for for taking the stand they did and and using their cloud as athletes to to really bring awareness to this and and stop the country and i'm just the people that really i just cannot stand here are the people that don't understand why this was done the people that just are inconvenienced by not having sports for a couple of days Oh, get back to work you millionaires shut up I can't stand yeah. people like that who just don't understand. And these are people who are not sympathetic to the issues at hand. People right. that right, right. deride the Black Lives Matter movement and make it seem like a, a joke and, and seem like something not worthwhile. And it's, it's completely worthwhile. It's such a tremendous movement. And I just... It, it, like, I was embarrassed when the NHL didn't do anything at first, and then... I
0: felt weird on Wednesday. Yeah, I really did. Like, I was I was running the Flyers... I mean, not the Flyers, I was running the BSH account, and I was like, am I... Like, I didn't know if I should keep tweeting, and it was a thing where... I mean, you could tell, like, people were just not... Like, it just felt wrong. Like, it just felt out of place. And um, I think... And the, the thing is thing for us, gonna... like, oh, yeah, go ahead.
1: everything go ahead. kind of started mid-game for how everything was rolling Literally out. Literally yeah, the middle of the game. The news had been out there before that, but the the protests were going on in Kenosha. Unfortunately, some people lost their lives during the protest, which is just uh, yeah, horrific. Absolutely horrific. And it's, it's just, the whole thing is just so incredibly fucked up. But the, the news started rolling out about the NBA taking a stand and taking a protest while we're watching this Flyers-Islanders game. And you could just see the enthusiasm like just dwindle down on twitter Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and i wanted to go back to the um the point you made about how people kind of focus more on the george floyd thing because there was less going on which was like the the thing i was trying to say earlier with it's just the that's part of it that is the problem here is that everybody knew about the george floyd thing because we all were at home everybody saw that video but like he's not the only that's not the only video out there of something like that. It seems to be an issue that's been going on for a while. And it's not just, you know, like it, it's, it's happening enough where there's, there should, there's gotta be some kind of change to just how things are handled. Not even just to put all the blame on cops, I guess, but just like, even, you know, cause the common refrain is people trying to respond with like, videos of white people being abused or killed at the high hands of cops. And it's like, well, that doesn't really make it better. It just kind of alludes to the fact that maybe we're not doing it right. And maybe there is another way to kind of work around this and figure it all out. And I don't have the answers. I'm a fucking 30-year-old hockey blogger. But I would like to help kind of push it in the right direction. And part of this thing is about having a platform. And the NBA players used a platform on Wednesday. And that was, I believe, I believe that was the first time the players just like went on strike. It was a strike. It wasn't the league. Like you said, it wasn't the league canceling. It was the players making a point that they weren't going to provide entertainment while there are greater issues going on. And for the people that say like, what has this done? The Ravens put like the Ravens tweeted out. I think they suggested a law that should have been enacted uh, by Congress. I think they, but like, that's how they, when they tweeted about the Jacob Blake incident, they suggested some legislation that should be passed to kind of help limit these situations and also arena sports arenas are now going to be open up for um
1: for voting in
0: the era in november i believe i believe that's what i saw like the wells fargo center is going to be open yeah. up on election day so people can go so like the that nba was any stadium
1: affiliated with an nba team to my knowledge is going to be open for polling yeah, in yeah. november which is fantastic and it, it it's about awareness it's about people that might not i mean look again people were not as aware of Jacob Blake and everything that happened there as they should have been. And this really brought awareness to people. It got in their face and people need to have people like they need to have these things put in their face sometimes because there's just so much going on at all times. And it's not necessarily that there aren't, that there are too many distractions, although that definitely is a factor, but I I think a lot of it has to do with just fatigue of again, how bad this entire year has been. And I, I don't know, it was very necessary for the, the NBA to take these actions, and I think they they really did bring awareness of this uh, to more people that than would have seen and noticed this otherwise. And to everybody who complained, oh, I didn't get sports for a couple of days, shame on you. Shame on you. This is so much bigger than sports, and it's... I'm I just, you know, people are not here... I know they are technically entertainers, but they're people too. And we need to hear their voices, especially when they need to speak up about something important. Yeah. I'm just, I'm again, very proud of uh, the NBA, you know, NBA players for, for getting up and making their voice matter so much and, and really confronting people with this. And I'm proud of the NHLers for eventually coming around on it. And it's been a little weird as a Flyers fan because the, the players are a little awkward about all of it. Uh, but, you know, credit uh, to the guys who have come out and, and talked about it. But it's like, for instance, it, it, Elaine Vigneault was asked about this at a press conference, and I really feel like he kind of avoided the topic as much as. Yeah,
0: did. yeah, that's yeah, that's what it felt like. Like, I I don't know, I, I guess I really didn't have major issues with whatever he said in either statement it was just kind of uh yeah i mean i just kind of again going back to what i've said a couple times already here it just kind of speaks to the issue of like uh some that the problem isn't affecting don't really want to talk about it or address it i guess which i i don't know that's i'll let people judge av's stance on that, I guess. I don't know. I like I didn't think he anything he said was absolutely terrible, but I kind of get why people are upset about it. Uh, and I think his follow up statement again wasn't that it just all kind of it feels a little like white privilege, but again I don't really like I'm not gonna drag A V for that, I guess. I don't know. Like it is it is what it is. Like he's And, and I don't basically know. if you're not as
1: familiar with Vignot's con comments here, he, he basically just said that he wasn't aware anything was going on because he had just stuck his head in hockey so much and Mm. just really was involved in the bubble, which again, it sounds a little bullshitty and a lot of people called bullshit on it. A lot of people really dragged Elaine video for that. I think it's personally, I really feel like he was kind of just avoiding the topic and didn't really want to talk about the social issues. And, uh, you know, (sighs) It is difficult, but I, I just, I don't know. I'd like to see him say something supportive, especially given how some of the NBA coaches are have been especially outspoken. Like Greg uh, Popovich, for instance, for instance, is just oh, yeah. such yeah. an amazing outspoken advocate and always speaks his mind. It's a combination of it's not really the NHL way. And I, I think... Vigno he could have generally just not I don't know.
0: Which, like, I, I don't know. that's like I, a, I don't know if I believe, I don't buy yeah, that. Yeah, I don't, buy, no, I don't, buy, I don't buy that either. I just, I, I don't know. The whole thing with AV is messy, and I don't, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I think he needs to do better than that. But it's, again, like, I'm not, the fact that I think he gave a second statement to kind of clarify his first stance and not know I think. To me, that's fine, and I didn't need him to, like, say certain things, I guess, in the follow-up statement, besides double down on, Whatever he messed up on the first statement, but I, I think he's I think he's fine. The biggest thing to me, and it's rolled it out there, folks. Uh this is our taking it to the beats segment. Um taking it, Sam to Car- the beats. <laughs> it to the Sam it to the Sam Carchetti. Slam and Sammy. Already mentioned him on the podcast. Uh he so the players are doing all this, uh trying to use your platform to help solve issues at, uh that are much greater than playing hockey. First question in the Zoom call following the days off. Or not days off, the days in protest, I guess is the way to put it. Slam and Sammy comes in and says, to put aside everything that's been going on, do you think the momentum will carry over from the overtime of the game to win? He asked. Pretty much tried to... Bel- it sounded like he was trying to belittle what was going on. and was just like, are you still able to carry momentum because of this break? What's going on? And... The Like, first of all, to ever phrase that question like that is fucking dumb right now. And, like, to kind of... And, again, Carchidi has a past of uh, not really hiding his opinions on player protests, the Kate Smith statue uh, fiasco, and all this stuff. Like, you kind of know which way Carchidi leans. And that's what kind of makes this even worse, because it really sounded like he just didn't want to go in with the like he just was kind of over the protest and i think he like like apologized afterwards but again like to lead off the fucking zoom call with that is it's embarrassing it's atrocious like he like he, like asking about the momentum i guess that's at some point in that presser fine and even hockey questions you, you're gonna ask hockey questions you're asking hockey players about hockey games but, but just kind of come in and, first and one, shove it, it aside like just so, yeah.
1: basically like just Try and push the important issues out of the way first. Just like, oh, if I could just wipe these under the carpet real quick, you know. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, dude! Just it was just
0: handled so poorly, and like I, you know,
1: I I, t- I can't fathom why he would come in and phrase it like that beyond just being clueless. Being Sammy, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, it just it was so it was embarrassing. Frankly, as a fan of this, That's game. I know the a, yeah, they're not an yeah. indicator of us as fans, but it was still embarrassing and. I just—it's kind of obnoxious. It's extremely obnoxious to just come in, in and be like, yeah. "Let's not. Let's ignore all this important, you know, justice reform going on and everything. Let's talk about hockey—the real important thing here." Jesus yeah. Christ!
0: <laughs> yeah, fucking. That's Sam and Sammy though. He always like just oh, like I feel like he always asks the worst questions sometimes, or like always knows the thing. The thing you shouldn't be doing or, like, you should know better not do, I feel like Carchetti is just consistently tripping over his own feet. I don't know. Like, this was just insane that he actually said that. And it's it really is kind of fucking disgraceful, honestly. Like, I'm not... And again, to me, it's the upfront. It's the first question to those guys. And you're just like, all right, let's brush all this aside. The momentum factor. It's like, yeah, that's not the fucking... Are you serious? Like, that's the thing you're going off about, like, right now? All things considered, so...
1: Like, what a non... Number one, that's a nonsense question on any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. Frankly. yeah seriously, the, yeah. The stupid, like, momentum from game to game is such a, like... Pretty dumb. I I, I I, don't know. It's kind of a ridiculous question. But, I mean, to phrase it like that, to, to just push aside the important issues and just say, like, let's get back to the real nitty-gritty of hockey here is just... So clueless, or I'm it I might not be clueless, it might have been intentionally purposeful, which it kind of seems like it was again, but yeah,
0: I like I mean, that's the thing that people want to defend him about. But like, you know, he had all I this, mean, he's, got yeah, he's got a history, yeah, exactly.
1: The, I remember when he put the uh, the AOC uh joke out there, yeah, like, oh, I didn't realize that I would be taken one yeah. way or the other,
0: and then the stuff with uh, Kaepernick, like when during the 2016 17 season. Uh, after Kaepernick kneeled, he was like, no protest here. The NHL gets her. There's some bullshit like that. So that's the whole thing that goes into it. It's not like, like if it was like Dave Isaac or somebody else that didn't have shitty like history with social issues, I think it wouldn't be as big an issue, but like, I don't know, Carchita kind of feels like it could be like, he, it kind of felt like he was showing his hand where he stands on all this, which, uh, yeah, is and it was out. shitty. It, yeah, was, it shit, was shit. It, yeah, it was really it was yeah, yeah. shitty I,
1: thing to do. It was it's shitty to put the players in that position too. the fact that like it was Niskanen and JVR, right?
0: I believe that was who it was. Yeah, and, and JVR is one been, of those guys. Yeah,
1: it, JVR was one of the guys that approached, um, and
0: I think Lawton was the other one. Yeah, I was going to say those are the other guys that apparently started getting the ball rolling with like Shattenkirk and uh, and the Canucks guys. This is why I originally saw. So like again, those guys probably wouldn't have mind focusing those questions on. The bigger things at hand at the moment, but uh, Cartier just wasn't having it. Just wasn't feeling it. It would have been nice if the
1: Flyers had kind of been like, "No, I refuse to answer that." But uh, uh, you know, I guess Uh, you 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 can't ask for everything. Former Flyers apparently did that. However, Luke Shen and Braden Coburn.
0: Oh yeah, I did not. I missed that. I guess I didn't see. uh, I haven't been seeing a lot of the the, the press stuff, honestly, with um, Inside the Bubble. But like, they just refused to answer a question. Yeah. That was okay. Yeah, good for them. I mean, like, that's that is, again, it's part of their platform. Like, uh, they are playing a game for a living. And if they have a chance to make some kind of positive change in society, they, I think they should be able to utilize that. And again, like, that would have been a prime opportunity for JVR Niskan to be like, uh, how about we talk about the more important thing right now? But it's good. I, I mean, it's good that NHL players are starting to do that because uh, I think they are kind of far behind on that, and it is it does kind of just go into their culture like you've been saying of like you're not you're just supposed to kind of shut up and do what you're told in hockey culture. It's all about you know being part of a team and sacrificing for the greater good and not kind of, I guess having too much like individuality. So it, it's kind of I, I still want to start seeing these players kind of step out of the box more and kind of utilize their platform, I guess. I, I mean, yeah, I guess that's really all I don't know. The, the, Do the, better, a Sam. Lot of, Do
1: that's our taking it to that's the message here. Yeah. Do better, Sam. Do better. Jesus. E- educate oh.
0: yourself too. And don't don't fucking like it's hockey and again, it's hockey during a global pandemic. So like there's just too much shit going on to just be like, stick Let's brush this sports. aside right now. Yeah, like there's the the stick to sports people right now. You're insane. I hope you know that. Like you're fucking insane. You're talking about stick at the sports. Sports where people are just—they're all playing in Toronto right now in a bubble, so they don't catch the disease. Like it's kind of—I want hockey. I mean, health, that but, probably yeah, most fucking... of the people that are telling the athletes to stick to sports
1: deny even exists. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of true actually, but yeah, just
1: what a what a hellscape we live in. Good God, it's just it's unbelievable and just again shame on everybody who's saying stick to sports and you know get back to doing what i say you should do that's bullshit it just stop it knock it off and also the people that oh the nhl took a couple days off so i'm gonna take a couple days off from watching that nobody cares about you well doing wow them. what a
0: message message sent
1: message sent oh bravo and if you stop watching the sport over something like this you weren't that good of a fan to start with and you're a shittier human
0: i like the the very good point i like the picture just batman's on twitter and like some dude with like 40 followers and like you know what that's enough nhl for me and then batman just sees he's like oh fuck uh bill daily should we do you want to worry about this or do you want to keep doing the thing we're doing where everybody else is watching i don't we don't want to lose this one guy though who has very shitty opinions on everything should we it's just like every, they just care about each person that's like, I'm done with the NHL. And then they're, they're there watching the next week anyway. So it's like the same people that I think are just like abandoning Carson Carson Wentz right now. Cause oh, he's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, hey, I'm not from North Dakota anymore. And it looks like there's a lot of issues going on here. And they're like, well, why don't you stick to football? And it's like, okay, man, <laughs> this is, all right. Uh, Steve, do you want to stick to hockey though? I mean, do you want to get back on track and uh, really focus here?
1: You know me. Terrible transition. I'm all, about, <laughs> I'm all about sticking to hockey. You know, writing Heaven's or saying four thousand plus words on hockey.
0: Hell yeah! And uh, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's. Uh, you want to talk about these other series?
1: Got to cross broad to get to those spicy takes. Uh, yeah, we can <laughs> we can talk about those other series.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. Let's. Uh, we, we got one
1: going on right now. We got Colorado and Dallas going on right now, and, and it looks like. Uh, been shocked by how the stars came out of the gate on fire and really took it to the avalanche, but uh, my Colorado god,
0: literally I, just scored. You saw that goal by random. Whew. That goal is fucking gross. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Uh, I yeah, that was a pretty good goal. I, I, yeah, they're gonna force game seven now, it looks like, and I think they're probably gonna take it. Um, the stars, the thing with the stars was they got a big goal scoring uh surge. So, like, that's why, I think that's why people were kind of shocked they're here. But that was, like, their big issue throughout the season was they couldn't score goals, but I think they play sound defense and they kind of have depth throughout that, like, they can piece together wins. And then they just, like, went off in the first and second round here. But uh, it looks like the are kind of pushing back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that series, that's the most exciting series. Uh, I mean, hopefully the Flyers can make it. Uh, the Hunter series is a little more exciting too, but uh, that's the most exciting one. Lightning and Bruins are already done. I'm happy the Bruins are done because now they got some real fucking issues they got to focus on. Because uh, big question about whether or not Char is coming back.
1: And yeah, he's and 43. I,
0: <laughs> and uh, I don't blame him if he's done.
1: He should have retired three years ago, frankly. But he, he really like yeah. He's and been a, like he's a pretty bad. effective NHLer. Yeah, I yeah, mean,
0: but like he's still going. But uh, I I don't know how much longer he can. He's forty three, man. Like that's, I think it's time. I think he's done. And honestly, honestly, if he
1: wasn't, if he wasn't just like a fucking mammoth of a man, then he probably wouldn't have played as long. But he's no, huge. Yeah. He's just he can compensate for,
0: his reach for losing is...
1: that speed with that long ass reach.
0: Yeah, it really. And he and he is good at defense. Like he knows he, he knows what he's doing out there, and he does know how to use his size to his advantage. So he, it's gonna hurt for them to lose. Not only him, uh, and Rask, look, Rask has one more year at $7 million on his contract, but uh, I don't know if you guys have looked at Bruins' Twitter lately and how they feel about Tuca Rask. But, Jesus man, Christ. There oh, were inexplicable, who? like, people hated him for no reason before he had to leave the bubble to help his family in crisis. That apparently was, like, ticking people off, but, like, now the whole city is against him, it feels like, and God damn, man, Boston fans are so fucking dumb. They're so fucking dumb. Like, they, I, I don't know. Like if rascals. it wasn't for
1: Carter Hart I I'd, I'd be stepping in and going I would take him off your hands gladly. Uh, yeah it's, exactly. It's just unbelievable like he leaves the bubble for a legitimate reason because his family needs him. I believe his daughter was in the hospital and he had newborns at home. Like I I I, I what what more do you want? Like the the expectations of what people have from athletes between that uh the shit that people piled on to Nolan Patrick for his migraine oh, situation, yeah, which is something stuff. beyond his control, but people act like, "Oh well, you know, he's just he's soft, he's fragile." It's his choice. Yeah, like he he doesn't want to be on the ice. Like, it, it, oh, man, the the way that people treat athletes is just it's, it's and again, be- I know these guys make millions of dollars and they have they are paid to play a game, but they are not here to at your beck and call to do whatever you want, whatever you say, like, I, right. I, I, come on. There's still people at the end of the day and we got to treat them like people.
0: No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and I think that like, again, we do, we've been ripping on drew, but he's also been in the bubble when he misses his kid's first like birthday. So there's a very, like, this is the one year I really, like, I, I don't know what it'd be like in the bubble right now. Cause I think a lot of us are struggling mentally in 2020. <laughs>
1: I think Couturier and JVR have babies at home, too. Like, pretty young babies. and
0: Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, it's not exactly the easiest thing to step away from. So, just, like, again, and they're stepping away for your entertainment. So, I'm I, I'm not going to bitch and complain about anybody leaving the bubble or if any games are canceled from here on out, whatever. I mean, this is, 2020 is just on a different timeline. Um, uh, the the Bruins goaltending, I was going to say, they're kind of fucked if Rask does leave, though, because they have one more year of Halak, who even if Halak is their answer in net, I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. And then, goaltending-wise, they have Daniel Vladar and Jeremy Swayman. But they're both uh, – like, Vladar might be the guy that is uh, – like, it might be Halak and him next year. I don't know how confident you would you would feel with that combination. But he should probably be up here by 2021, 2022. And then uh, Swayman is a little bit further away. But they really – it's not like they have one guy that's going to come in and, like, solve it wasn't like when the Penguins let Flurry go and they had Murray to put in there. It's like, they're – Goaltending might become an issue for them now.
1: I mean, they have an all-star out there waiting in the wings that they could just bring on anytime they want. Stoli the goalie. Stoltender the goaltender.
0: Oh, yeah. Just go get Stolarz. Yeah, or Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot, again, who had an amazing postseason. Uh, I, I don't Cal, know Heater. That, <laughs> Cal Heater. Cal uh, Heater. Nico Nico Hoyvenen, I think, was another deep pull from that era of random goalies of... Uh, the Flyers had in the pipeline. So any of the any of those guys, you just go ahead and uh Joaquim Erickson, you know, one of those guys, somebody like that, and uh just uh just make it happen. Marek Marik Matson, I remember being upset when he got traded. Did, didn't didn't do shit.
1: I heard Elya was willing to take another run around the oh, course. And mean, he'd go over
0: great in Boston, they'd love him. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh non North American that uh seems to lose focus on the yeah, that definitely that's got Boston success written all over it. <laughs> yeah. They fucking love him out there, yeah. <laughs> fucking off. No, he's gonna—he's just gonna keep getting free tickets to the Flyers for the rest of his life. Well, not free, but oh, well, kind of free because he's using the Flyers' money to buy the Flyers' tickets. So I don't know. Uh, what about uh, the others here? Uh, Dal- you know, Dallas, yeah, Dallas Uh I just love Kudovic's had some of the best reactions when he's like got scored on this-, this series. He's had like two or three goals where he just looks off in the distance like he doesn't know what just happened, and he's kind of confused about like what a goal against is. And uh, I don't know. He's just been cracking me up with that. And uh, oh yeah, I think the uh, other series we haven't talked about is Golden
1: Knights Vancouver. And yeah, I mean, I still talk think about, it's golden. Talk about a back scratcher here, <laughs> head scratcher, oh. back stabber. Wait, that that tweet. So Mark Andre Fleury's agent, agent,
0: Alan Walsh, yeah. t-
1: tweeted out a picture of him stabbed in the back, claiming the Knights stabbed him in the back by playing Leonard over over yeah, Flurry, which is just like. It has nothing to do with the fact that uh, Flurry's, uh, you know, save percentage has just plummeted.
0: Yeah, both him and Laner haven't exactly, uh, haven't exactly been killing it, but it's not like it was a given that, you know, Flurry should have been starting, but I just, like, yeah, and the sword had the boar's name on it, like, going into Flurry's back. It was fucking obnoxious, and I'm pretty sure Flurry, like, didn't want that at all, so, uh, that just, I don't know why he tweeted out and not just called it, called, it, uh, called a riff for no reason, but I think, uh, the Canucks, I'll say about the Canucks, they're going to be dangerous like next year, the next couple of years, because they are making this the the postseason that we we're kind of talking about where they're going to showcase their skill. And they've had like, yeah, like Corvette and Besser and guys and Pedersen's been having a, Pedersen is still doing insane shit every single night. And so is Quinn Hughes. And like, they still have to get rid of some of the shitty players uh, that are taking up like their the, the depth spots on that team. But. When they work at the kinks, they can be—they'll be pretty scary next year, especially if Markstrom plays the way he's been playing. Markstrom's been helping him stay in this series, but um, yeah. Pedersen, did you see the goal? It was game two where he uh, set up to Foley. Pedersen went behind the net and like angled his knee against the net so he could wrap around quicker and throw the pass across the the, the, the crease. I watched it like ten different times, and each time I watched it. While he was doing it, I'm like that doesn't look intentional. And then when he finishes the pass, I'm like he totally fucking meant to do that. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing. I like it, he is just so creative. He's like the next. He's got. He's gonna be the next Datsuk. Like he's gonna have those Datsuki moves. I feel like, and we're gonna be. Out. Oh, he's. I he's, hope he's phenomenal. Are good. I, 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 yeah.
1: I, us and the Jersey Devils are gonna be real bitter about not drafting him. But it's. Yeah, well, that's how well, the cookie crumbles. Uh, that's the draft.
0: Yeah, there was another team drafted second in that draft play, and uh, <laughs> there's a couple. Uh, that's why I said <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. I said uh, us and the Jersey Devils. Oh, okay. That may have been, maybe a little Comcast back there, but uh, well, yeah. And then looking at uh, Heiskanen and uh, McCar fucking killing it in this year in this postseason, and also in this series. But Heiskanen was up there. Heiskanen was second in points at one point in time. Uh, and uh, yeah, now Pedersen, like it's three, four, and five in that draft. It just looks, you know, like
1: I. It just sucks. That's the draft. Yeah, it that's, just sucks. That's, that's really. That's yeah, how the cookie crumbles. No. We've already examined it a bunch of times. <laughs> We've examined that, and again, we would have called the Flyers insane for not taking Nolan Patrick at yes. that time. Yeah. There was a consensus one and two. Uh
0: what else from this uh I mean Dennis Guriano has been great for the stars too, so it's Rupe hints. Um and the Aves too. Like I love how the Avs Grubauer gets hurt and Frank Hughes gets hurt and then they turn on Michael fucking Hutchinson and now they're like rattling off wins. Like the one goalie that's in the postseason that you shouldn't be winning with. The Avs are like, I guess we got to score more goals now and then they just go and they scored more goals. Game 5, I, like that was nuts watching because I was watching the... Like the Lightning Bruins overtime was going on and they always throw up like the, the outdated score on the NBCSN uh, tracker thing and it was like every other minute they just made it 5 nothing in the first period. It was insane.
1: It's going to be a hell of a game seven if it gets to that point. And uh, yeah. it's looking pretty good on that front.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, we'll see how the uh, you should be Flyers Tampa in the East. I'm going to stick with that now. Uh, and it looks like Vegas is going to uh, Vegas should be able to beat the Canucks here. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if if as cold and nice, who would you take? Avs Golden Knights, who would you take, and Stars Golden Knights, who would you take? If it's Stars Golden Knight, I think that's where the Stars trip ends, especially with the way they're looking towards the end of this this series. I don't think, if they go back to their old goal-scoring ways, I think they're really going to struggle against the the Golden Knights. But
1: I picked Golden... the Avs before the playoffs started. Uh, I picked the Avs out of the West because I really like this team, and I think that's going to be a great series, though. I think that's going seven. Uh, the Knights are stacked. They're a great team uh the avs have mckinnon who's just phenomenal ranton and who's amazing mccarr who has made some rookie mistakes but he's still such a phenomenal talent and, and they got the know i now. Yeah. i think the i i want to say the avs but it could go either way it's a real toss-up
0: yeah it's a real i you know i kind of like the golden knights because i don't think the one thing that really scares the shit out of me with the golden knights is you know the goaltending hasn't been Amazing for him, or hasn't really been. I guess stealing games, like they've had good games, but not consistent production. But I, I would trust them more than I would trust uh, Michael Hutchinson. And it sounds like we're not really sure when. Much like all the other all the other injuries, we don't know when Gruber or Frank Coos are coming back. So it might be. Uh, I, I don't know Hutchinson and net. I feel like that's just one of those things that's going to eventually break. Like you can't you can't keep going back to it. But we'll, uh, we'll find out. I mean, some teams did not make it to the Stanley Cup final with Michael Layton net. So maybe it's a. Uh, Maybe it's not impossible to do. But, uh, yeah. So, after these pu- these playoffs, Steve, uh, we're looking forward to the 2021 regular season. And uh, we, can't, we got some news about that from uh, ESPN, from Greg Wyshynski and uh, Emily Kaplan, friends of the show. Uh, apparently, the league is ready to eat shit when it comes to next season, the 2020-21 season. Uh, they all apparently know that it's unlikely they'll get 82 games. And it sounds like they're throwing out a lot of crazy stuff when it comes to how they're going to handle playing through COVID and also the possibility of filling fans into the stadium. So via the article from Oshinsky and Kaplan, um, apparently one uh, team exec said, we know it's going to be bad. We're going to try and make it as least bad as possible. We know we're going to take a bath. We're all going to take big baths, which I, it sounds like a funny way. I don't know. It just sounds funny to me. It's like, look, we're all going to brush like, our teeth. So I know we all have toothbrushes. Was brushes. he doing we're like a Trump
1: Mad Libs there? Because that's <laughs> we know it's going to be bad, very bad. We're trying to make it as least bad as possible. We know we're going to take a bath. We're all going to take big baths. Like it, that's really ridiculously <laughs> Trump esque. Uh, yeah, that's a way to put it. least bad. What is that? Jesus well, Christ!
0: Well, the whole I, thing was here's the thing. Yeah.
1: I totally acknowledged when the NHL announced that they were going to do playoffs and then they were going to go into this point. And I I totally realized that next season would be shorter. Do next season shorter. There's no need to do a full season again, two short seasons back on track. That's all. Yeah.
0: And that's uh, and to to your point, apparently one uh, high ranking team business executive told ESPN, we all realize an A2 game schedule for next season is a pipe dream. It's just not going to happen. So, and they were talking, There's some talk of that when the the, the the target date to start next season was originally December 1st, but now it's looking like it might be pushed back to mid to late January, and a few executives are thinking that the range of the games played for next season will be anywhere from 60 to 70. So, it looks like next season they start, they want to start as soon as possible in December, which... I. I, that doesn't really feel uh, likely. Uh, so it's probably going to be like mid, mid-January, mid and it's going to be 60, 70 games. Um, and then when it comes to watching in person, uh, one NHL executive laid out three scenarios in terms of fans at games for next season. So the first one, pretty simple. Uh, it's not going to feel great hearing it, but uh, no fans at all <laughs> for the whole season. Uh, the second one is start with no fans, then go to 50, 50% capacity at some point, And then try to get the 90% capacity by the end of the season. And then the third scenario is start at 50% capacity, work to 75% capacity at some point in the season, and then once again end with 90% capacity in terms of how many people are in the seats. Um, And to me right now, the idea of 90% capacity with where we are in terms of a vaccine and how everybody is handling social distancing uh, at any fucking happening. I don't see ninety percent happening, honestly. I don't know if that's just me. I don't know how you feel about it, Steve. I feel like you're probably in the same boat.
1: I, I yeah, I'm, that's a hard pass for me.
0: Yeah, like it's just not happening. Um, and again, I think I think we're gonna have sixty games without fans. Uh, that feels like what's gonna happen because this was a big request of the players in all leagues right now, and. Like, it's just you're, then you're going to look at a big break in action again. And you still have to factor in there's seven teams that haven't played since March. There are seven teams that might go 10 months without competitive games of hockey. And honestly, closer to 11. So if it's going to be late January and they played their last game in early March, like losers. That's tournament. a lot of to do it. Yeah, sure. Fire it up. Losers tournament to see who. Starts in the basement during the regular season. <laughs> See, this is they're this working by they, the obstacle.
1: They should have held off on the first overall pick and done the losers' tournament. Oh, you know they, yeah, they fucking should have. But they then you have the to. Bed there. They poop the sheets big
0: time. They poop the sheets big. That I hate when people poop the sheets. You, you hear it often here. I can't stand when people poop the sheets. So
1: can't stand it. Can't stand it. I mean, people. I don't feel comfortable with anybody. Social distancing for that, so there's likely not going to be fans. I don't and feel comfortable for, in general. Yeah. For a recent example of how poorly that's going, we talked about a Smash Mouth show a couple weeks ago. When we gave our in-depth analysis from Wikipedia yeah. of "Walking on the Sun," and it turns out this is a real shocker, real shocker right yes. here. That Smash Mouth show was an absolute disaster for COVID nineteen cases—a hundred plus cases from that Smash yeah. Mouth show.
0: And this is uh, this is via listener Dan Fisher, Dan Fisher nine twenty four on Twitter, uh, in front of the show. Pointed out that we had mentioned the Smash Mouth show at the Sturgis Motorcycle Festival, which, you know, we've all been there. We all know what that's about. And, uh, yeah, 100-plus cases and via punknews.org, which is the, uh, the article that Dan shared with us. During the Smash Mouth set, lead singer Steve Harwell said, Now we're all here together tonight, and we're being human once again. Fuck that COVID shit. Well, it appears that simply yelling, Fuck that COVID shit, was not enough to ward off the virus. Which, if I wanted... Like if there was anything that I wanted to represent my feelings about this year, it's just the 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 cockiness in that statement, or just like the blunt. Well, yeah, you're being dumb about it. Like just that, the feeling that that writer gave off, and I don't even I don't even think that guy's name is on the article because I looked for it. I just that's how I kind of feel about everything right now. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, just go ahead and yell at it. <laughs> Mad as will be. Let's talk about this uh, Sturgis Motorcycle Festival though, because. It might be. I mean, I I think I would have gone if I knew about it beforehand. You ready for this lineup, Steve? It's a it's a fucking doozy. Uh, Night Ranger, motor All all I think about what that song is. Did you ever see Superstar with uh, Will I Ferrell not. and Molly, Molly Shannon. Shannon? Yeah, it, it was. I for some reason I watched it years ago, and like. The guy he he she ends up liking, like, rides up on a motorcycle. It's the guy that was in Half Baked. He was the cop that drank the piss in a Dumb and Dumber. I don't know. Oh, that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know how I'm talking. But, like, he rode up on a motorcycle, and that song is just blaring. And he, like, gives her a look, like, hey, what's up? And then just drives away. But it was, like, the cheesiest thing. But that's what I think about whenever I hear uh, fucking Night Rangers in that song is that. Um, the Kenny Wayne Shepherd Band. Oh, I remember this band from the late 90s. Oh yeah, really? Oh yeah, yeah. I what was their song? I don't. I, don't I think really it was
1: Blue that. on Black. Blue on Black. They were like a, a bluesy kind of oh, okay. band. I mean, so I... They were they were yeah. fine.
0: Uh, the legitimate maybe best band in the group here lit. I mean that I, does. I mean they're no, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, okay, let's see. Oh my god. Okay, I'm talking about considering the other bands we're talking Craig, about here. <laughs> Craig, I,
1: I gotta say right now, you're your own worst enemy. Oh boy. Okay. Good we'll night, just, and good talk, hockey.
0: This discussion's getting lit, but I want to talk about 38 Special because uh, really, when it comes to uh, this show's outline, we are we're hanging on loosely. Uh, but 38 Special is probably my favorite band, if we're being honest here about all these, because they have two songs I like. And uh, it's either them or Quiet Riot, who uh, had "Come On Feel the Noise." Come on, uh, feel the noise. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Metal Health, and uh, what are some of the other shitty songs? They had a couple of so good, good songs. I thought I don't know, For, I considering really their know come on, feel the shitty noise. air like hair metal. I don't know. They, uh, they had a couple of songs. Re- Reverend Horton Heat. I'm not familiar. Not familiar with either. Horton uh, uh, the Heat. <laughs> The Doctor Seuss book they didn't want you to read. Uh, and then Bone, Thugs and Harmony. Oh who... ba-lum-ba-ba,
1: ba-lum-ba-ba.
0: <laughs> I also think of just The uh,
1: greatest video of all time.
0: I think of uh oh my god, the, the Biggie song that they did, uh Notorious, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. Um but that was uh yeah, that See, they, if they were a probably Philly's the best fan, one.
1: You would hear that all the time this year because D.D. Uh, Gregorius uses that for his leadoff song. Oh, does he?
0: Okay, he does. well there you go. I like it. Gregor- is now my favorite. Uh... Oh, man. I no, I don't. Uh... It's not that one. Then it's not Notorious. It's. uh... Oh my god, what is the song I used to love? Oh, it. man, I forget it. I'm never gonna remember. I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die not knowing Notorious. You're gonna die. Uh, um... bone Thugs, Oh my god, harmony. It was. I'll see you at the concerts, Craig. I think it's notorious. <laughs> okay, let's get the fuck out of here. We got. Listen, don't go to Smash Mouth con- concerts because they're apparently not doing the whole mask thing. So uh, just I, I wouldn't be go with. there
1: regardless because I'm not a believer. All right, please, <laughs> I, I I can't stop. Let's get around the league. This
0: is enough. Yeah, let's let's do it around the league. It's going to be a bulky around the league because uh, a lot of shit went down, uh, a lot of trades, and uh, one of them was uh Casper getting traded back to the Penguins oh, with wow. Conscious Aberg. And Jesper Lindgren uh, for uh, defensemen with David Warsawski, Evan Rodriguez, Philip Hollander, and the 15th overall in 2020 going back to the Leafs. And I got to say, as a Flyers Ten fan. Two pounds of
1: shit in a five pound bag right there.
0: Big fan. Big fan of this trade. Because Captain's like, fine. Captain's good. I don't think he's worth the 15th overall. I don't think he's worth losing Hollander, uh, who is probably your, your best prospector for the Penguins
1: rutherford has officially reached his like batshit crazy old man phase of gm like
0: yeah the, like he's end
1: it's just like uh, desperately clinging to whatever he can to win now
0: i like he you know we've, we've talked about jack johnson i think it came out this week that, that they're just gonna let justin schultz walk so you're talking about two issues on defense right there with those guys um and then goalies, you you got to pick out which one you want, and you only have one under contract for next season, and it wasn't one of the main two guys you used in the league. So for them to use the first to add another forward who, I don't even know if he's necessarily a top-line guy, honestly. Uh, he had 36 points in 69 games, very nice amount of games this year, 13 goals. And then last season, he had 44 points, uh, 20 goals, uh, and 24 assists in 78 games. Uh, and he's fast. He's very fast and he's got hands, so like I think he's gonna fit in Sullivan's system, Sullivan system, but I don't know. And like Pontius Aberg is gonna be a bottom six guy for them who isn't anything to write home about. Uh, I did enjoy I do enjoy that the big thing I remember about Pontius Aberg, and if I put the video in the in the outline for you was uh, he has two playoff goals in his uh, career, and one of them was in game two of the twenty seventeen cup. And he just fucking walked the entire Penguins' defense and roofed the shot over Murray, and it was one of those goals that while was happening, like as he was going left to right, I was just like, "Oh my god!" And then he just roofed it over everybody, <laughs> and uh, and then the uh, Predators lost that series, so it wasn't as fun. Anyway, that
1: was pretty majestic. I just watched it.
0: It was it was a fucking thing of beauty. Yeah, um, but then Jesper Lindgren, so the defenseman the Penguins got in the deal. Uh, it sounds like it's not even a surefire like. NHL player according to Scott Wheeler one of the main draft guys at the athletic uh, he ranked him as the 14th best prospect in the Maple Leafs prospect pool when he was ranking the prospect pools back in I believe January or February uh, and pretty much described him uh, it sounded like a Mark Friedman type where it sounded like he's progressed pretty well in the AHL uh, he could serve as like a call up in the future but he doesn't necessarily even see a path for like regular NHL minutes so that was the guy that a guy they got 23 year old right hand defenseman uh 2015 fourth round pick uh, who had nine points in 31 games with the Marlies this season uh, and he's a smaller puck-moving defenseman apparently his defensive game has improved but he uh like I, I don't know like they I, like happening isn't worth the 15th and then that throw-ins they got really weren't Things that should have pushed you over the top. And Hollander, too, is a guy, 20-year-old winger, taken in 2018, a second-round pick by Pittsburgh. Had 14 points this year in 27 games with Lulia, Lulia HF, and the SHL. And Again, going back to Wheeler's rankings. Ranked him as the fourth-best prospect in the Penguins' pipeline, but that's because he fractured his leg this year. And the other two guys ahead of him on those rankings, so Nathan Laguerre and Samuel Poulin, uh, are slate as possible middle six forwards. And Hollander apparently has more upside than both of them. So... so it, it's Hollander's just, it's...
1: opus is just not worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then...
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you even know what that was? That was nope. Reference to Mr. No. Hollands fucking was... <laughs> opus. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus 90s movie.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you're going with a You've deep... Orchestra. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not again. Yeah, of course, I'm not. I'm not getting that fucking reference. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> I like when you just tee off sometimes. Like, I get there's some stuff I should get, and then there are times I'm like, oh, be, some, i like, oh,
1: That one's just I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, Pittsburgh, so, after all this, they're still looking to make some deals, right? They're looking to trade. Yeah, pretty much. So,
0: yeah, and they're looking that they got to trade one to uh, Murray or Jari. And honestly, that's a little bit of a tough, dicey question right now. And all things considered, they have $9.2 million in cap space with 10 forwards signed. They still need to sign four RFAs. Seven defensemen signed. They need to sign one RFA. And then one goalie signed, which is Casey DeSmith, and the two RFAs, Murray and Jari. So they're going to have to make some moves. And honestly, with the wage trending, with the decisions that Rutherford's making, he's going to try. It feels like he's trying to build it so the Penguins can keep throwing the kitchen sink at like each postseason and really building up the teams. But he's not efficiently adding and i, I the penguins- figured
1: out the perfect trade uh place for you Do know, oh. a three-way deal with boston but Bo- matt murray goes to boston oh god tuca goes somewhere that can afford him and then i don't know well honestly picks or some shit to pittsburgh who cares
0: well the thing we were just talking about uh, i hope i hope Bergerman doesn't fucking try and help out the penguins now because like jake allen isn't you know what I shouldn't say. Jake Allen had really didn't have that bad of a year. Uh, I put him in. I put in the notes here. I'll, I'll just mention now because we already talked about. He was traded to the Canadians with the twenty twenty second seventh. Jesus Christ, Man, him in the seventh. Uh, while St. Louis gets the twenty twenty third and a twenty twenty seventh from Montreal. Uh, so Jake Allen now have. He had a nine twenty seven save percentage of twenty four games this season, which really wasn't. Like I know, Jake Allen's had his up and downs, and he hasn't looked great. And he was the reason why Bennington got more action and kind of helped the Blues win last year. But I, you know, the Penguins don't really have any sure bets in that. Jari looked really good at points this season, and Murray is like, I don't know what you do with Murray, but uh, m- maybe they go after out Allen out and they just kind of cut ties with Murray, and that's that's what they do. But Cap it at a four point three five million. So again, they might have to work something out. They work around that. Um and the and the Canadians do have the advantage that they have Caden and Primo, uh, unfortunately, Keith Kid, uh waiting in the pipeline after uh Hextall and Bergman did more of those infamous seventh round pick swaps. Uh, apparently it's gonna work out for the Canadians somehow. So there you go. Uh but um looking around the res so the Penguins are kinda of fucked, is what I'm saying. Once once Crosby and Malcolm retire, we should be looking at the old Penguins. Like the early two thousand Penguins where we're going that's 18 a game losing streaks, and yeah, it'd be a real shame, it'd be a real bips to uh, watch that. But uh, yeah, that's life, and uh, you know that's Pittsburgh, and uh, I don't know what to say. So uh, you know, ben, Big Ben's about to retire too. So I hope I hope you enjoy all your sports, that's right, now, Pittsburgh. Yeah. So anyway, uh, to go along with that, Mike Green has announced his retirement. That doesn't relate to anything we were just talking about, but it is a big news story. Five hundred and one mm-hmm. points, hundred and fifty of which were goals, and eight hundred and eighty games for the Caps, Red Wings, and. Two games for the Oilers over his 15 year career. Uh only D-Man since 1993 94 to pot 30 goals in a season when he had 31 in 2008 9 which as I'm saying now is still kind of fucking nuts that a defenseman post Uh and I know Brent Burns was getting up there. I don't think he actually I don't think he did get the 30, though. I'm uh I might have to go back and check that. But I looked at a hockey reference before we got on here. So uh and also five other uh he had five other ten goal seasons, which again defenseman, 10 goals, kind of the mark to, you know, kind of highlight he had a pretty good year of production, Uh, including 19 goals in uh, 2009-2010, and he had 18 in 2007-08. So, he almost had three 20-goal seasons as a defenseman, which is kind of nuts. Um, I'm pretty sure the only, yeah, Wierinski did this year, and he was the only one, and that's still pretty ridiculous. Uh, And he has the fifth most goals by a D-man since he entered the league in 2005-2006, and since we're talking about the Caps, we'll move on to Todd Reardon, who was fired by Washington after just two seasons with the team, went 89-46-16, and 16. was knocked out in the first round of both postseasons, knocked out in double overtime and game seven against the Hurricanes last year, and then he's knocked out five games to the Flyers' current opponent uh, this year. And they also only won two games in the bubble with one win against Boston in the round robin. So, again, uh, it's kind of fun looking at the Caps' ministry because uh, that team could really use a bona fide head coach that knows how to press the right buttons with that group. And, uh, you know, there was one of those guys that did that and got them to buy into the defensive system. And it looks like they liked buying into it and winning. And they could have probably done it more. But thankfully for the rest of us, they uh, got the hell out of there. And let let drop uh, yeah. yeah, again, real fucking shame. But uh, also worth mentioning, Reardon was with the Penguins before he went to the Caps. He was an assistant with uh, the Pittsburgh organization from 2010-11 to 2013-14. And he was also the... Uh, the Guido Penguins head coach before that. Um, sticking with the Cast once more, Alex Ovechkin is going to be on the cover of NHL 21, and he joins Jonathan Taves as the only NHL player to cover the uh, or be the cover athlete twice for the game. Uh, Taves was on the cover in NHL 11 and 16. I think part of that part of the Did reason he why was Taves twice? well, I if I remember correctly, part of that was I think Kane was supposed to be on NHL 15 or NHL 16, and then that was his whole. Summer with the rape accusation so then I think the EA changed it so Taves kind of like I, I think that's what happened I mean I, I'm i pretty sure that's what happened I remember that. I thought I remember that being a thing because they made it like Taves was on the cover like holding the cup with Kane and then they gave credit to Kane but anyway uh, and Aveshkin was originally on it in uh, NHL 07 last flyer of course Claude Drew in uh, NHL 13 I remember that one and also Big E on NHL 99 Oh yeah, yeah. I used to, that game. I used to wear the shit out of for N sixty four. Yeah, that game was oh man. Um, talked about the Jake Allen trade already. The other big news was Bill Zito being named the new GM of the Florida Panthers. Not Barry Zito or Tom Glavin or Greg Maddox. Bill Zito, not Barry uh, Zito, had... the
1: old like slow <laughs> southpaw.
0: <laughs> yeah, that I think is still pitching with the Giants or pitched in the majors for like thirty fucking years. Who knows? Uh, but. He had been with uh, the Blue Jackets front office since 2013-14, and his name had been thrown around. His name was thrown out last year with the Flyers. Never actually got an interview, I believe, if I remember correctly. But it was one of the names, him and Steve Grilly were like the two big-shot names that were thrown out there as Flyer, like possible Flyers uh, answers to the Flyers GM question. But I don't think they ever actually got interviewed or anything or advanced past uh, speculation. But uh, anyway, Zito comes in after Dale Town was let go earlier this summer. And I believe Dale Towns was mainly let go because of his shitty work as a GM. But there have also been reports, which I haven't seen an update to, but I saw about four or five days ago, uh, George Richards, who's one of the better beats on the Panthers, uh, tweeted about how uh, apparently Dale Town was uh, possibly let go too because he had let out, he had said something racially charged, had some kind of racial statement after uh, Matt Dumba made his speech at the Round Robin or something. And then it became whole issue with that i don't know and i saw the quote about uh, apparently he didn't know Dumbo was black which is kind of uh, i don't even know what to say that but uh like I, he, are you serious like yeah okay. like uh, sorry, i mean like i, I so like it, maybe that's it maybe that was that would be enough uh i just it, he i also saw something about him saying he doesn't remember saying anything or like even seeing the video of the dumb incident so i i don't know i don't know like that that's just a whole nother layer to the fun of
1: I mean, not, you know. I don't even goes. see race.
0: What? What yes, even is it? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's bad. Of that comes off there, and uh, that's yeah, that's the no run are all. That's uh, that was the last one around the league. So there you go. That was uh, that's all we got. But uh, Steve, how are you feeling plenty. for tomorrow? How you? How are you thinking they do it? You think they extend to the game seven?
1: Why not? You know, I feel good about this. I, I'm, I'm like thinking to... they do. I'd like to keep podcasting about Flyers hockey, but... we. I like see. talking about the
0: flying, uh, Flyers winning. Well, see, it, I think, to me, if Couture plays, they win. If Couture doesn't, they lose.
1: You don't think and Nate I Thompson's think... stepping up as 1C and uh, dominating?
0: You know what? I don't. So, yeah, let's just well, leave it at that. <laughs> if he does,
1: if he does, Kurt is buying a
0: Thompson jersey. Oh, we're, he better. We're going to make yeah, sure he's... it happens. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, we're absolutely going to make Kurt spend some money on that. And, uh, Kurt, Kurt and Butt, by the way, gave us a suggestion for an off-season episode, which I 100% believe we're going to do. And it's going to be like four hours. And I'm here for it. So we're going to, we're going to get in that, but we'll, we'll get that We'll cross that bridge when we get there.
1: We will cross that bridge when we get here. We have, uh, we got to wrap this puppy up though. I got to go Yeah, we got to tuck go. this we got to tuck
0: this baby to bed. Yeah. E- eat so, some late go. food
1: and uh call it a night. So <laughs> folks, thanks so much for listening. If you have feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad.
0: Yep, and uh, I put out something for game 5 about how I didn't want the Flyers. So I was writing an emotional piece or whatever. It's just pretty much I wasn't using numbers. Uh, I just wrote about how the season was, what like, I thought this was a, the season was a positive to me. And the way the fan base was feeling after the Game 5 loss, I didn't want them to lose and have it be another offseason of, like, should we trade Giroux? Is this team actually as good as we think they are? Is Niskanen for real? Is the penalty kill actually better? Is AV just, was he see, just a glorified version of Haxtell at first, and now we're starting to see like, some of the warts. Like, I just wanted them to come out and take it to the Islanders for a game, and they did that in Game 6. Uh, or in Game 5, I mean. Um, so I wrote about that. I got that out there. I had the Game 5 observations as well. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to have anything for Thursday, and we'll see about Friday. So that's what I got going on. And, of course, if the Flyers do end up pushing this to seven games and winning, we will have a forecast out at the beginning of next week previewing the matchup against the Lightning.
1: Big if, big if, but we will see on that. Big if, and- yeah. Speaking of the forecast, we did record a couple of those. So uh, if you're missing out on the fly hyperbole from the past couple of weeks, we have two forecasts for you. Uh, obviously, the one is uh, really not relevant anymore, but <laughs> this week, still pretty relevant. Uh, yeah,
0: the one this week is good.
1: You can reach me at Estee Bomb or fly but for your hockey needs, make it fly fly-per- hyperbole. Uh, follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Uh, just wanted to give a quick, uh, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman, uh, terrible loss this week in the acting world. And, uh, See, I mean, definitely... speaking of
0: 2020, man, like Jesus Christ, like, it what a terrible, win. like, and like the fact that he was going through that kind of shit too, is just like, uh, this fucking year, <laughs> this year is just fucking absolutely year. Terrible.
1: Just absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, listener shout outs. Uh, just wanted to give one to good old Mark, Mark Gunner, who, is a proud oh, hey, KGB yeah. supporter. Just asked for one. So why not? <laughs>
0: there you go. There's a shot. Mark Gunner also got the, a uh, better. Got play a, players,
1: yeah. yeah. And also got a DM from another listener, uh, Scott Shoemaker. And I wanted to give him a quick shout out as well. So uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. All right. That's it. This has been plenty. I got to go. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, as always, good night and good hockey. <laughs>
0: Like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Flop, flip, flop, Flop, It's 2023, and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Frankin' Rocks.